And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And this is the Hagman Report for today. It is Wednesday, March 21, the, well, uh, the first full day. Can we say that? The first full day of spring? Is that, I, I don't know. Did the groundhog first see its shadow? Or am I late on that? And it's the coldest. Cold. You know, I gotta tell you is something. I, I am so sick and tired of weather. Um, uh, not that, not that everyone, not, you know, you didn't tune in to hear about this, but, but come on now. Come sure on. There's a, Washington, D.C., and New York City is being blanketed with snow, up to 15 inches of snow and counting, two inches an hour reported along the I-95 corridor as the fourth nor'easter of the month is hitting out there. And then you've got um, evacuations in California as you have a bunch of rain. I'll tell you what, it's, you know, biblical stuff going on. I'm telling you, this is... um, well, look, I, I get, I get climate changes. I, I, I get that. I understand that, you know, uh, global warming. I understand the hoax of that. But obviously, as Dan Wigington talked about the geoengineering things, the, uh, uh, the geoengineering period, it, it's important to really pay attention to. What are they doing? What are they doing? And it, it could have, you know, begun as some innocuous kind of plan. Who knows? But, but nonetheless, I'm just, uh, I guess I'm frustrated with with the cold weather, the snow, and uh, but but then again, many places, as you said, have it worse. Nor'easter, the number four of of a series apparently, and then in the California, the the uh, the rains. Praying for those people as well. Um, so nonetheless, but we, listeners worldwide, hello in the UK, hello in Australia, uh, hello to all of the people listening. All across the free world. By the way, we broadcast 7 to 10 p.m. every Monday, well, Monday through Friday, every weeknight, right here on the Global Star Radio Network, BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio, and of course, YouTube. This week, it's a throwback week, audio only. I want to thank Tech Eric for the wonderful job he has done. Look at that graphic. I thank Todd for the call, for the one. Or for bringing the guests on. Okay. Thank you, Todd. You know, it's, it's a well-oiled machine all working together. So much to get into tonight. Uh, Joe, where, where do you want to start? We've got, of course, oh, by, by, the, by, uh, by the way, we, we should announce, <laughs> due to a prior commitment, your daily show did not, uh, post yeah, it did today. not go on. Okay. So nobody missed anything right. if they were looking for it. And my show, uh, again, because of things that are going on here, is up from today. Is is posted? It uh, posted on Blog Talk. No, uh, it's on Blog Talk. Okay, so right. that the podcast so, is out then. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you you can download my show from not from nine o'clock this morning. Um, it's on BTR Blog Talk Radio. Just got a Hagman Report. Use Hagman Report as the central hub for everything. So, uh, bookmark that. And of course, uh, follow us on social networking for uh, anything that we might might put out there, as well as. Uh, you know, HagmanReport.com for our articles, but uh, HagmanReport.com, bookmark that and access our audio from there. We've got a great show lineup for you tonight. 
Of course, uh, always a crowd pleaser, Gerald Saloni, talking about uh, issues pertaining to the economy and geopolitics. John Rappaport, and of course, rounding it out with Pastor David Langford. Exciting show for you tonight. But uh, this uh, 30 minutes news. So, have we seen the last of the bombings in, in Austin? Joe, uh, I believe I'm going to so. defer to you. You know, unless we see, unless we see that he had an, an accomplice or there is somebody else who commits a copycat crime, I do believe that we've seen the last of the bombings. Now, authorities are still warning residents of Austin to be careful. For copycats or, or for, cause, for cause why? This is what they say. They don't know exactly what his, uh, w- what his activities were for the 24 hours before he blew himself up last night. So there is a possibility that he was able to uh, plant or, or mail or try another attempt to. Uh, okay, are they? Do they believe that he was the the one and yes. only? Okay. Well, they believe he was the one. They don't know. Right. I mean, they're they're interviewing. He had two roommates who are being interviewed. One was interviewed and released. The other one, uh, last I read, was still being interviewed. Okay. And he the the, the one interesting uh, problem I see here is they have an age issue. The the Austin bomber, uh, his name is Mark Anthony. Condit, C-O-N-D-I-T-T. Kind of like Gary Condit with an extra T there. Right? And I see ages either 23 or 24. Uh, it looks like 23 is the correct age. Now, we talked about this yesterday. Um, was this guy devolving? Obviously, he did not plan to have a explosives device blow up in FedEx and have the other one uh, caught by authorities. So, and the authorities also said, due to a number of investigative tactics from triangulating and tracking a cell phone to surveillance camera images from the FedEx store where this kid walked in with a wig and a hat and gloves on with a t-shirt uh they were able they, they had a, apparently they had identified this person about 24 hours before he died now what happened last night <clears throat> as he was in a hotel room at the Red Roof Inn right. he was uh they had him they they knew his location and they were surrounding the building when he got into his car and, and drove away, drove into a ditch, right. the authorities approached and exchanged or, or shot at the suspect, and he blew himself up. Now the there's six block radius around the home where he lived. I don't know how to pronounce this. Um, Pluggerville, yeah, Texas. Whatever. Okay, in P F L U G E R Ville. It's a suburb outside of Austin. Is where the home was. The home is owned by his parents but there are two other roommates. So they are removing explosive material that was found inside the house, but there is no completed devices. This kid was homeschooled. He went to Austin Community College, and as expected, his whole family or anybody who was asked, oh, I can't imagine, he was so nice and loving. Authorities did boast of uncovering a treasure trove of information about the dead 23-year-old, but officials warned explosives may still be out there and collaborators still may be on the loose. But either way, I'm, uh, you know, obviously we're all happy that this guy is caught. Now, uh, he has died, so we're not going to fully, I don't know if we'll fully understand his, his motivations or, uh, you know, what he really wanted to accomplish on this bombing spree. I think you can also rule out the poster on, what was it, Reddit, where, uh, that was showcased all over the, the media last night and this morning, where somebody was claiming to be the bomber was posting on anonymously through a website called Reddit. And they describe themselves as a, 20, a 30 to 50 year old uh, white male with no terminal illnesses and whatever. But the, the guy was 23. And disregard those, those internet postings. But um, where to go from here? Are we going to see uh, if there is any other accomplices? Are 
there are any other devices. I would say I don't believe there are other devices, but you never know. Well, and here's look. How did he you, learn? you can do this all day long. Home Depot materials, right. um, but, but I, I'm more interested uh, in, in the media how they will ascribe the blame to the conservative left. I'm sure this is okay. Uh, I'm sure his actions are, are because of Donald Trump, President Donald Trump. I'm sure his actions are because of the uh, alternative media. I'm sure that we are to blame in some way, shape, or form. I can just see it. Uh, I, in the next legal document I get, I'm sure. That that we're going to get blamed for the uh, cultivation of the bombings in Austin. Yeah, I, I said it. I said it. Right? So go on. Well, they, uh, the LA Times, I'm looking here, Austin Bomber had a list of future targets and a room in his home to manufacture bombs. Now, this is uh, more that we're learning. And I'm sure, as you said, more information is going to come out. Will they paint him as a uh, you know, right-wing lunatic? Possibly. Now, what was interesting about this after they released his name, it took authorities a, a while to release his name. And when they finally did, you go to look for a social media uh, footprint and you find a Facebook page. It only has 15 friends, no postings, no pictures. So you, you look at the friends and there really wasn't anything else. So was his social media account scrubbed? Did he scrub them prior to going on this rampage or did the authorities do it? That's one thing we we don't know, but what they say in the article, a treasure trove of information, also a list of names that, you know, he, people he wanted to target. Hopefully we'll see that information released. But, but you know, look, I look at this as really, and I'm sorry to say this, I don't believe that this is really worthy of, of much attention. My, my, my thoughts and prayers go to the victims, but, but you've got an evil person doing evil things. What's different? Uh, aside from the method and manner in which he carried out his acts. Meanwhile, you know, we've got other issues that we're looking at or we should be looking at and uh, much larger issues. I still say, and I don't, you know, okay. I, I still say that the biggest story is the coup that's going on. Oh, yeah, of course it is. But, but go ahead. Uh, go just ahead. To, to talk about what you said, yeah. what the L.A. Times has dug up or is reporting from 2012 is that is uh, part of his community college class assigned uh, him to write a little bit about himself. Now, he wrote he's a conservative but not politically inclined. He opposed abortion, favored the death penalty, there it and is. argued gay marriage should be the, illegal. The, but there this it is, is from yep. six years ago. It doesn't he matter. says, I view myself as a conservative, but I do not have enough information to defend my stance as well as it should be defended. Well, and, yeah, yeah. He goes on from there, and you guys can... This is an article... Uh, linked off of Dredge Report. You know, look, YouTube has banned all gun demonstration yep. videos. Now, I'm sure that the uh, ISIS-style bombings using ammonium nitrate and other type of uh, anarchist-type bombings, that will be, I'm sure, okay for the Southern Poverty Law Center, for the ADL, for the Soros-linked groups, and for YouTube. I'm positive that, that, that the bombing videos, they're going to be okay. But how dare you put gun demonstration videos on YouTube. YouTube is entering a gun control debate with a new ban on videos with demo, which demo firearms or linked to websites selling firearms or firearm accessories. To me, this is the news. It's not some whack job out there who's got this whatever manifesto in it. You know, you talk about some trip wires. Look, the big news is what's going on all around us, and it seems that uh, this is only getting worse. 
the censorship is only getting worse. The oh, yeah. attacks on the Second Amendment are only getting worse. The attacks on the First Amendment are only getting worse. Uh, you know, the the media is just pounding away against the, uh, for example, the uh, uh, deep state. I did my program today about how MSNBC, Mika Brzezinski, you know her. Mm-hmm. And Morning so, Joe uh, yeah, talking about uh, the deep state. It's a Donald Trump. Uh, yeah. It's really, it's Donald Trump. Uh, it's his. It's of his origins. It's funny, isn't oh, it? Oh my gosh! It, 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 you know, this is really what we should be paying attention to. And of course, the attack on Section Two Thirty, the Communication Decency Act, by the liberal fascist leftist, progressive leftist, which has got people, the leftists, so joyous that um, you know, hey, we can. We can hold, uh, uh, imagine this, imagine having a website. This is kind of where this is headed, just real quick, and then you take it. But imagine having a website where you, or comments are allowed. And, uh, you know, or, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. And you, as the website owner, being responsible, if someone leaves a comment that says, I hate Jews, or I hate Christians, or I hate whites, or I hate blacks, or whatever the, whatever the case. Or, uh, kill all, you know, insert whatever here. And, and you're, ultimately, legally, you would be held responsible for the actions and for the comments left by that person. So imagine that. And when uh, John Rappaport joins us, we're going to talk about his latest article, The London Police Now Have a Firm Definition of Thought Crime and how hate speech laws are uh, soon possibly coming to the U.S. And we see how the media, you know, will constantly attack the right, the Christians, the conservatives, and they don't need a serial bomber or a school shooting to do that. They're going to do that either way. This just adds extra ammunition to uh, to their fire. So uh, let's let's do this. I want the YouTube, the tightening the pro-gun policies. Right. YouTube will start banning videos that promote Websites selling guns and accessories. Well, they wouldn't even link to them. Videos, instructions on how to assemble firearms. And they go on to talk about how they're updating uh, their policies and guidelines. While they have long prohibited the sale of firearms, we recently notified creators of updates we will be making around content promoting the sale or manufacture of firearms or accessories. How about this? Uh, How about the Hagman Report? We all get together, we, we, Eric, John, you, and me. We, we pitch in. We go buy an AR-15 with a um, with several magazines, thirty uh, banana clips, or, you know, thirty capacity banana clips or fifty. And we uh, and we uh, and we 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 use that as a prize of some kind. Let's do that. What do you think? Huh? Little, little, let's give away an AR-15. Just coming out of your pocket. Well, uh, that aside, uh, Eric, the soy, soy boy there said it's an assault rifle. Uh, you guys, you guys want to talk? Mic up, okay? Because I'm not gonna. I can't. I can't hear over the. But but you know what? Well, listen. I mean, obviously, why don't we do this? As a matter of fact, why don't we just on YouTube? Why don't we just link to like? Every gun site, every gun sales site imaginable. Well, then you'll be deleted. Yeah, of course. Of course. No, I, I'm, I, of course I am being facetious here. But, but do you see where this is going? I hope everyone sees where this is going. Uh, hate crime legislation is coming. 
unless unless the Christians and, and I, I lay this on the lap of the Christians. Why? Because we've got the numbers, we've got the ideology, but do we have the will collectively to get to get out from away from your keyboards and and let's let's demand in in mass let's demand that uh, number one that our rights are restored. You know, I, I was looking uh, speaking of rights. Uh, a message board, uh, one of these sewage message boards that are, you know, pro-fascist or pro-democratic, kind of democratic underground kind of thing. Uh, actually it was, and knocking, uh, knocking, uh, a candidate, I believe it was a congressional candidate's stance on pro-life, saying that it's anti-constitutional to be pro-life. And, and, you know, I wanted to hit my head against the wall until it bled. Just think about that. It's anti-constitutional to be pro-life. Well, no, it's not. Well, no, that's no, what they I, argue. Well, of course. Then, uh, the abortion mo- movement, I don't know if you saw the latest uh, out of, uh, what was it, Mississippi? I'm going to find it right now. There was a state uh, Mississippi strict abortion law temporarily blocked by the Supreme Court after Mississippi instituted a an abortion ban, and they are being stopped. They the governor came out and said that they're going to be the safest state for unborn babies in the United States. Right, and he's being blocked at every turn trying to implement this bill, and this is a problem we see constantly. The, the people on the left believe that they are allowed to murder a child, and that uh, is not murdering a child. The correct definition is a woman's reproductive health right, and that somehow is, they say, uh, a constitutional right. They they believe because the Supreme Court decision that somehow that translates into abortion being allowed, provided by the Constitution, yeah. which it's, yeah. it's just a misinterpretation and, and twisting of the American constitutional system and the court system. But uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to uh, read up just a little bit during the break on the Supreme Court decision in Mississippi and come back with a, a much the, more the detailed state uh, Supreme Court, or what are you talking about? Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure. Okay, Mississippi uh, apparently passed a law to ban all abortions except for uh, ones that posed uh, health problems for the mothers. And now this is being challenged by the Supreme Court in Okay, I believe right, Mississippi. Well, That's why I need well, to read this all right. yeah, so why, why don't we why don't we why don't we research that and but, get on this tomorrow or report back on that tomorrow? Because I think one um, of the um, uh, switching gears, uh, and we can talk about this up until the break. Fired FBI Deputy Director yeah, Andrew McCabe yeah. reportedly oversaw criminal probe of yep. Jeff Sessions. Now this is a very interesting story. Uh, uh, yeah. Then uh, when he was FBI Deputy Director, McCabe considered lack of candor so important, and that's what he was fired for. Lack of no, you know what? He was fired. Don't give well, me no, this no. crap. This lack, the, lack. This I, I know, I know the words. The okay, so la- okay, we're, we're going to call lying lack of candor. Well, whatever. Okay, it's lying. It's not. Uh, they, they can call it lie. You know, uh, I'm, I'm so I'm tired of, of the English language being hijacked. We can butcher it. We're allowed to butcher it, but but hijacking it that's something entirely different. You lied. They he lied. It's not a lack of candor. Well, on the on the piece of paper or papers 
that's exactly what it says, lack of candor as the reason. So McCabe considered lack of candor so important that he reportedly oversaw a criminal probe of Attorney General Jeff Sessions on that very score. Citing sources familiar with the matter, ABC News reported Wednesday that Mr. McCabe led the probe about a year ago, which focused on Sessions' confirmation testimony before a Senate panel about his contacts with Russian officials. ABC News reported Mr. Sessions did not know at the time of the firing that Mr. McCabe had overseen a criminal probe of him. Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee believed Mr. Sessions had lied or understated his actions. Several top Republican and Democratic lawmakers were informed of the probe during a closed-door briefing with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and McCabe. I'm going to tell you, uh, Sean Hannity, real quick, Sean Hannity said last night, Hillary, watch what you say. And I've been been dealing with some people in the back, behind the scenes. I'm going to tell you right now, watch for some upcoming perp walks, including, well, in my personal opinion, Rosenstein is going to be uh, indicted criminally. I believe many on the, on the, within the upper tier of the FBI and some within the DOJ are going to be indicted criminally. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be doing my show in the, in the morning about, uh, about this. But, but go on, Joe. I uh, interrupted you. Well, it says yeah. last week Sessions fired McCabe for his own lack of candor reportedly, according to the recommendation from the Justice Inspector General. Mr. McCabe had reportedly leaked information about the Hillary Clinton corruption probes, itself a breach of duty, and then lacked candor when questioned by federal investigators under oath. Now, also today, coming out of the White House, we have seen the media's backlash against President Donald Trump over his calling Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, to congratulate him for his election win. You know, you didn't see any of this going on when Obama was in the White House, when he was calling Erdrogan or any of the other, you know, uh, Islamic Arab dictators. But obviously, they have a uh, a thing for Russia uh, they, with President Trump. So, and the story isn't the big part of the story is not the president calling and congratulating Vladimir Putin. The story is in the leaks, as this is a, apparently causing even more problems in the White House as somebody within President Trump's inner circle is it, leaking it, it, out well, information. Well, it, and this is very it, dangerous. It's, it's, it's a crime. Yeah. And this is being reported as a, a very serious uh, incident. Well, the, the, the bottom line, Joe, look, it's a coup against the American people and Donald Trump. It's an ongoing thing. It's by the deep state. It's not, I mean, how else more can we explain that? It, it didn't go away. You, you got the deep state leaking out information. Um, and what was leaked was uh, go ahead, a yeah. national security briefing material telling the president not to congratulate Vladimir Putin. Those materials were leaked to the press. It wasn't actually about the call that was made. It was about the recommendation from the National Security Briefing. Now, uh, you know, we know that there is this deep state, this enemy within our government, and this is why President Trump was elected as president, was to be able to, you know, what he says, drain the swamp or or fight this. And we know that he's not always going to listen to the recommendations that are given to him. He's going to act in what he feels is the best interest of the country and the people of the country. Right. So I don't have a problem with him not listening to the uh, national security uh, briefings because when we're talking about, especially Russia, the left and the media have made things so tense, almost, uh, you know, they say it's like Cold War 2.0. And there's no reason to have that kind of, but, of relationship. Okay. Uh, However, the war 
and, and I think people need to understand this, the Cold War is still going on. Um, Russia is still adherent to Soviet communist policies at the level of the government. All right, so in an argument can be made, I believe, that the uh, active measures that, we, that we've seen that the left or the progressive nutbags claim that uh, Donald Trump perpetuated or, you know, uh, uh, conspired with uh, the, the those involved in active measures, those occurred on both sides. And it's always been, and it will continue to be, a communist agenda to stir up trouble on both sides of the ideological divide here in the United States. And chaos is the middle name. That's what I think, Joe. I, again, but, but people better understand that the communism, communism and Marxism and pro-Stalinism is still alive and well. Well, I'd say more so in the Democratic Party than in Absolutely. Russia. But uh, a White House official told uh, media reporters that Kelly is furious that a confidential presidential briefing was made public just hours after the phone call with Putin. Kelly reportedly plans to address the leak on Wednesday as aides work to figure out how the information became public. Other White House staffers are irritated by the most recent leak as well. One White House official told CNN, this was unacceptable. So not only was President Trump fuming on Tuesday night after the Washington Post reported the leak, but uh, apparently John Kelly and a small group of staffers were also very upset. Now, these are, um, any leaking of classified information is a criminal offense. And to think you have people inside the inner circle of President Trump leaking information to try to damage uh, the accomplishments of his agenda and furthering his presidency is absolutely unacceptable. And now, you know, this might give people an idea as to why he tweets the way he does. Um, if he feels that he has and is surrounded by nothing but enemies and people who are uh, against his best interests and the best interests of the people, you know, he's pretty much in a, in a very tight spot. And uh, Twitter would be one of those outlets to be able to speak your mind uh, and minus a communications director filter that he probably has what, there. What, what would be the response? And this is something we could pick up later. What would happen if Twitter banned President Donald Trump? Well, I think the country would, uh, they'd move on. I mean, they've talked about doing that before, but they're not going to do that because they think he's damaging himself too much on that platform. So they would never take that away from him for the possibility that he could melt down or say something that would put him in a tight spot on Twitter. So that's the only reason they keep it up. When we come back, Gerald Salente will be our guest. to this Wednesday edition of the Hagner Report. We're going to be joined by Gerald Salente in just a few moments. want to clarify what we talked about earlier about what's going on in Mississippi with the abortion law. Mississippi's strict abortion law temporarily blocked, a U.S. judge has temporarily blocked a Mississippi state law enacting the tightest restrictions on abortion in the country a day after it was signed. Judge Carlton Reeves delayed the bill, which bans most abortions after 15 weeks from taking effect for 10 days while he hears more arguments. Critics say the ban, which makes no exceptions for rape or incest, is unconstitutional. 
Mississippi previously banned abortions from 20 weeks. Mr. Reeves wrote that the new law threatens immediate irreparable harm to Mississippians' abilities to control their destiny and body. And, and, and what about the unborn? How about their destiny? Well, they don't matter. Uh, apparently not. Okay, so, so among other things, this uh, this judge is going to have to answer before God Almighty, but as far as acting extra or supra-constitutional, uh, what's that about? No, no, what, are we going to roll over and take that? Well, look, this is what originally happened. It was a bill, House Bill 510, protects the maternal health and will further our efforts to make Mississippi the safest place in America for an unborn child. That was from the governor. Uh, governor. He signed that into law. So this wasn't just some executive order that was enacted. This was done through the legislative process of having a bill introduced into the state representative be passed through and signed right. into law by the governor. One day later, you have the courts coming in here. How are you supposed to be able to govern with uh, I mean, obviously, you need the judicial oversight on laws to make sure that there is nothing yeah. unconstitutional in it. But as you said, they've turned abortion into a constitutional right to where that is not even apparently up for debate anymore. And well, Ohio's it's... doing something interesting. They're changing the terminology in the law to be able to uh, call an unborn child, whether pre, uh, whether it's, it's in the womb uh, and they plan on abortion or not, a baby, an actual uh, human. So that would change what abortions were. They would turn them into murder. And it's an interesting thing that is happening in a number of states across the country that are looking at enacting tougher abortion laws. Well, yeah, we can continue this conversation tomorrow. I think, I think there's much more to talk about. But now, I'll tell you, one of my favorite people uh, is the is the author of the Trends Journal. Folks, if you, if you don't get Trends Journal, Gerald Salini's Trends Journal, you're missing out. I have learned so much by re- as a matter of fact, um, well, beyond learning so much, I feel like I, I am armed with tomorrow's headlines, and I'm not I'm not blowing smoke up anybody anybody's butt. I'm too old for that. I'm too cranky for that, and frankly, I'm not in the mood for that. I'm just telling you the way it is. You want to know what's going on? You want history before it happens? Trends Journal. The option is yours. Trendsresearch.com. I'm telling you the way it is. Again, I'm too cranky right now and too old to, to blow smoke up uh, up anyone's butt. I like Gerald Salini. He he is an unenc- he's unencumbered by political dogma. Um, he's got uh, he, he's he's not encumbered by conventional wisdom or any rigid ideology. He's a political atheist. His motto is "Think for yourself." And let's let him talk for himself. Gerald Salini, welcome back to the Hagman Report, sir. Ah, thank you. Very kind of you. Thank you very much. Well, it, uh, we appreciate you, my friend, and uh, you're kind of, you got a signal going in and out there. I don't know if you're under a nor'easter or what. No, I will. Is oh, it there we go. okay now? Wow, okay. yeah, yeah, now we're five by five. All right. Uh, All right. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Mr. Salini, it's great to have you. I just want to say this. Uh, our local radio station, the uh, 1400, started picking up the Alex Jones show, and they play the fourth hour right at uh, after 10 o'clock when we leave the studio. So I was driving home, and one of the uh, first times I, I heard the show on, on the 1400, you were hosting the fourth hour, and you were talking about Hillary Clinton and her India trip and the, the embarrassment <laughs> that that was. But I, I just thought it was neat because... Uh, 
we've never had uh, uh, that show on any radio station up here. So you're everywhere. Yeah, I just want to say I thought that was uh, pretty neat. But yeah. it's great to have you back on. And uh, let's start there. Hillary Clinton in India. Is this woman ever going to give up? Is she ever going to go away? Or are we are we just stuck with her uh, until President Trump is is out of office? Well, we're, we're stuck with her as long as we have the media that we have, and people. You know, they don't know the facts, and here are some of them. It was Slick Willie Clinton, a disgusting human being by all levels. You're talking about murder. How about, how about the murder he committed when he was president of the United States, bombing Iraq every three days? Every time he'd get caught with his pants down or whatever, there would be bombs away over Baghdad to get the people's mind off what was going on. And remember Madeleine Albright, or not all that bright, who uh, was on 60 Minutes with Leslie Stahl, and she was the U.N. ambassador at the time under Clinton, and was asked, is the death of 500,000 Iraqi children under the age of five worth the sanctions that President Clinton has imposed upon them? And she said, yes, it is. So I'm just putting this into perspective to talk about what a low-life SOB is and why we keep getting fed Hillary crap all the time. It was Bill Clinton that deregulated the communications industry. It began under Clint, uh, Reagan, but it didn't go very far because the Democrats uh, really did everything they could to stop it. But Slick Willie lied and they believed him and it was the 1996 Federal Communications Act where he allowed the, the very few to own all of it. We have six companies that control 90% of the media. So going, why do we hear about Hillary Clinton all the time? It's called payback. These companies yeah. wouldn't be that yeah. big if it wasn't Bill Clinton. So that's why they're all sucking up, bowing down, and feeding us her crap. Whoever, you know, it's like it's like a World Series or or a or a Super Bowl, and the team that lost is crying for two years later as to why they lost. I mean, nobody would accept it, but this is going on with Clinton continually because they're prostitutes. They get paid to put out by their corporate whoremasters and their Washington Johns and then you look at the media and you know the Russians, those those Russians that Putin controls everything and the Kremlin's in control you know you go to RT it's owned by the Russians the stuff, what, you can't hear any I'm on RT by the way quite frequently let me say anything I want and I just had NTV over here, their, their station that's all in Russian that was up here in Kingston interviewing me. And then you see, oh, isn't it wonderful that NBC has John Brennan, the former CIA director, as their, as their strategical mouthpiece? I mean, grow up. This is John Brennan, a lying SOB, a low life of a human being. By his track record, not my words, how he lied that we weren't being spied upon. And he's the mouthpiece to NBC. So why are we hearing Clinton crap? It's because that's the club, man. 
Yeah, and uh, I think yeah. the American public are, are sick and tired of it. They want, uh, they've had enough. But as you said, until we get the media, uh, a different kind of media in there, we're going to continue to, she's going to continue to be propped up. Uh, I want to ask you about this. We're hearing a lot about the $1.3 trillion spending bill. And we're, I've been hearing that there are a lot of concessions to on, on immigration and other things, but there is no funding for the border wall. If they pass this, and President Trump has to sign it in to continue to, to fund the government, uh, how can the president go about getting the funding for this border wall if Congress or the Senate never work to, to get it passed? It won't happen. And it'll be, a, it'll be a campaign issue in 2020 if they keep pushing it back like that. But, you know, this is very important, by the way, because all these things tie together. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm a political atheist, as you mentioned. You know, what I like about Trump is his, you know, his um, uh, redoing the lousy trade deals, again, done by Bill Clinton, who promised us, you know, uh, 200,000 jobs with NAFTA, and we've lost 850,000 plus. So I agree with him on that. There are other things I don't agree with him on. And one of them is, you know, I launched Occupy Peace. So I put my money where my heart and, and, and mouth are. And it's to bring home all the troops. No foreign entanglements to honor the founding fathers, beginning with George Washington. You know, a real fighter, not these little boys like Obama and Bush, you know, and Clinton, you know, couldn't fight the way out of a paper bag. You know, this is a guy, you know, that, that led the revolution and fought in it. And his farewell address is no foreign entanglements. The point being, part of Occupy Peace is bring home the troops and secure the homeland. We can do it with the military and with today's technology. And to rebuild our rotted infrastructure rather than rebuilding Afghanistan. You know, yesterday, by the way, was the 15th anniversary of the beginning of the Iraq War. Again, going back to low-life John Brennan, and I'll call him that to his fate, fat face. Remember we got into the Iraq War based on lies? Brennan from the CIA? Brennan? That's Saddam Hussein and weapons of mass destruction and ties to Al-Qaeda? Brennan? And yesterday's the 15th anniversary, and guess what? Not uh, one sentence in the New York Times, the paper of record, the toilet paper of record about the Iraq War. Barely nothing on the news, nothing in the Wall Street Journal, nothing anywhere. Fifteen years of war. And for what? Based on lies. So going back to the wall, we can do that if we readjust our defense strategies and I don't talk as a pacifist I'm a close combat practitioner had my own school for many years I don't want to get in a fight the last thing I want to do but if my life is in danger I'll attack the attacker so I'm not talking as a pacifist I'm talking as an American patriot who honors the founding fathers and people like General Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star general, supreme commander of the Allied forces in World War II, who warned us that the military-industrial complex is robbing the nation of the genius of scientists, sweat of the laborers, and future of the children. So going back to the wall, we can do it if we have a real defense strategy to defend America. 
Yeah, and, and I yeah. I see the wall as as more, uh, you know, the wall is one part of it. Whether it's a big fence or a wall, you need multiple layers. You need the personnel, the security cameras, and all the uh, pieces of modern technology that, that would go together. But it's very frustrating watching, uh, you know, the Congress not uh, do anything ah. to move this forward Congress. or funding for this forward. But they, they they turn around and you know give money to sanctuary cities and and funding for Planned Parenthood and all this other stuff. What Congress? A bunch of clowns. How can any self-respecting person look up to any of these 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 low lives? I got a little Chucky Schumer over here in New York. I got I got uh, uh, Nancy out of a mind Pelosi, Diana So Feinstein, Lydia, little Eddie Munster Ray, Ryan, uh, Mitch out of his mind McConnell, John Insane McCain, Lindsay. Did you come out of the closet yet, Graham? I mean, how can anybody look up to these people? They don't rep. They don't represent me. Yeah, they don't represent. Amen to that. Ninety-nine percent of the the American public. Uh, still on the economy, the Federal Reserve today did a number of things. One, they increased the interest rates and also boosted the uh, projections uh, as far as uh, GDP and other uh, areas of growth for the U.S. economy through 2018 and through 2019. Is this due directly to President Trump's working on the economy versus that of Obama, and especially with the growth? And how much do you think that the uh, tax bill that the president passed has to do with what the Federal Reserve is able to do with interest rates and looking forward? Well, first of all, why would anybody believe any forecast by the Federal Reserve, which, of course, is as federal as Federal Express, its central bankers, again, against the Constitution of the United States that are running the show. And they, their forecasts have always been wrong. The reason gold prices went up today is because they had expected the Fed to raise interest rates four times this year. And now it looks like only three times. And the reason being is the economy is not growing as strong as they anticipated. They have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in 2019 and 2020. That was a that was a cop out, and you saw what happened with the markets when they first announced that the Dow spiked 250 points and then closed 40 points lower. So it did a 300 point re reversal, basically. The, the the interest rates are a real issue. And that was our trend alert that went out before this happened. You're looking already at housing starts, mortgage applications, auto sales. You're looking at them all going down as interest rates are going up. Even in Canada, where they have a, a crummy little nothing interest rate, when they raised it in January... They saw a big drop in housing in February. The whole thing has, after the panic of 08, has been built upon something that never was written, talked about, or done in the history of the world, part one on part two, and that's negative and zero interest rate policy and quantitative easing. The only thing that the sham has done is to enrich the equity markets. You guys know the data. 78% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. 
You know the numbers. Were we in debt, you know, uh, over 13 trillion bucks? What's going to happen when interest rates go up? That's why the market went down. The market can't take higher interest rates. On tax, on Trump's tax policy, it's not, again, you know me, I call it as I see it and what I, the data that's out there. And all the data that's out there from non-biased institutions are showing that the tax breaks are going to help the 1% 80% of the time. Mr. Salani, if, if I can deviate from the, the line of can question here, I want to ask you. A, no, no. no I, in fact, can you hear me? Can, can, are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, boy. Sounds like we were oh, hopefully. having some, uh, yeah. some Skype issues or we were having are, some are, are you, issues. Can you hear us, Mr. Salani? Man, I, I had a great question lined up for him too. <laughs> I really did. No, I, I don't have to write it down. It's, it's. I mean, it's right in the in the center of my brain here. Okay, um, we'll we'll work to to try to get him back. You, you know, look while while we're waiting to get him back, if that's possible, I just want to say, I, I am a believer in Mr. Salenti's, um economic policy. I'm a believer in his overall foreign policy, geopolitical policy. Occupy, occupy peace. Dot. U.S. OccupyPeace.com. Um, I gotta tell you, uh, makes a lot of sense. Honor thy founding fathers. No foreign entanglements. As simple as that. And, and as far as the trans journal is concerned, uh, I've learned so much about the economics. And, and of course, you can watch the videos of, of you know, the, 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 how screwed we are economically. But if you want to stay ahead of the curve, it's uh, the trans journal is it's a good investment. It's our go-to. It really is our go-to uh, uh, subject or resource for all things economy, and it's uh, I, I, again I've learned a lot uh, from that. So we we have him back. I'm going to go off script, uh, Gerald. We we got your answer, and uh, we got cut off right when we said, you know, am I still connected? So, but okay. let me go off script and ask you. I just want to ask you a question because, as I was saying during the time when we were trying to get you back, is. Um, I, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for you. I, I, I do. I, I, your economic forecasts are right on the money. Uh, I, I love your Occupy Peace uh, uh, philosophy. Honor thy founding fathers. No foreign entanglements. But the one one question I've got for you, and, and this might sound. Please don't take this as an Oprah esque question, <laughs> whatever that might be. But when you look at, uh, I, I, I've been I've been dealing with people. And I'm so frustrated. And I'm serious about this question. What keeps you going? What in the world? Why don't you just throw up your hands and say, you know what? People are so incredibly stupid, some of them. And, and you know, what keeps you going? I, I well, just, I, and that, that's not his question. I really, I really want to know what keeps you going because I'm about ready to just throw everything in and say, screw it. <laughs> well, well, first of all, if you ever saw where I am in Uptown Kingston, Colonial Kingston, New York, you know, we have three of the most historic buildings in the United States. The only four corners where there are pre-revolutionary war stone buildings. And if you walked into my office, which was an old, like, A&P, we call the Mohegan Markets, there were 18 of them on the East Coast, uh, I have 185 plants in my office. And I take care of all of them. And I also cook wonderful Italian food each night. 
and I have art and beauty surrounding me. So my work is my work and my life is my life. And I believe that beauty and art are the antidote to fear. And I have a definition of hell, not the one they taught me in Catholic school. The one, my definition is, for me, hell is taking that last breath and knowing I wasn't the person I said I was or could have been. And that's what basically keeps me going. And I'm also, by the way, very thankful, and that's why I bought these buildings, to be an American. Because I couldn't be me if I was born in uh, Vica, Quince, or Alta Villa Apina in Italy. I'm only me because I was born in the Bronx and raised by a family on both sides and ancestors that gave me love and wisdom and courage. And so I honor that, and I honor the ancestors, so I live in their spirit. Very, very well said. And I'll say this, Rob, that answer is for you. Obviously, we had a discussion earlier, and, uh, you know, when I said, you know, I feel that way, uh, I'm speaking for Rob, and, of course, you know, once in a while I do feel that way, but very fantastic answer and great insight into the into your life and, of course, the balance that, that, that you've got. Thank you for answering that. Go ahead, Joe. You got I mean, a question, what else, I know. No, what else can you do? I mean, it's either fight or, or roll over, and I don't think anybody who's been fighting and has their eyes open are has it in them to, to really roll over. And while you get frustrated and, and whatnot, you have days like that, um, you know, as soon as you step away, you know, you're ready to come right back. And I don't see any uh, anything that would stop me or, or you, for that matter. Or no, I know it, 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 that that was based on a question for but it does I have get, a conversation. It does get earlier. frustrating. Yeah, uh, this was something we only have a few minutes left. Can you? Talk let let me take a quick story. Let it. me take a quick story. I was, you know, I began my career at a graduate school. I ran. I was the number two guy running the mayoral campaign in Yonkers, New York. That's a city of three hundred thousand people, and they sent me up to Albany. I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York State Senate at twenty-three years old, and. We'd be hanging out in the back of the chamber, and they got a clown opening the door they call sergeant-at-arms for these slobs to walk in called senators. And my buddy would leave me and follow the senators to all my buddies and follow them to their chair and help them sit down, pull the chair out. And they'd come back, and I'd say to the guys, they'd say, what's the matter, man? Cats can't sit down by themselves. They need help. And the guys would look at me, my peers, and they'd say, you know, Gerald, if you have that kind of attitude, you're not going to make it here. And I said to them, that's not the way I was brought up. Before I knew what the word meant, my mother, may her soul rest in peace, would say to me, Gerald, I hate cowards. And so I grew up understanding that I would never be a coward. And that's all these boys and girls were, were cowards bowing down and sucking up to get to the top and that wasn't for me so I left within a year it's amazing how that uh, we, we see the, the opposing mindset uh, of these democrats and, and these uh, political operatives who are trying to tear down America and how they uh, are void of, of God or any spiritual uh, relationship or, or anything uh, good or, or righteous or uh, any kind of life there, there it seemed to be against it all, and, and it seems well, both like it's parties, oh, both yeah, of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, both. Republicans and manifesting. Again, yeah, yeah. Again, you know, I wrote a note. I can't use the right language here on the show. But I wrote this on, on Friday. I said, take your government and shove it up your you-know-what. This isn't my government. This isn't... You know, I, I, this, they don't represent me. They've, they've sold out this country upside down and inside out. And, and you know, it's a take... I, I call it Slavelandia now. And, and you, you, these people call it campaign contributions... How about being an adult and call it bribes and payoffs? But anyway, now, I just want to make one more point about the economy. It, um, what, it's very interesting what happened to gold today, that gold prices moved up. And what that's telling us is that gold prices should have gone down if they were going to raise interest rates more. They're concerned about the economy. And that's why it was mostly a dovish uh, uh uh, response from Powell and also very interesting uh, when I heard Treasury Secretary Mnuchin in Davos say they were in favor of a weak dollar and then Trump came out and said well he misspoke I took what he said seriously we're looking at a weaker dollar and if the dollar gets weaker gold prices go stronger that's the way it's always been so again, the motto is think for yourself, but those are some things we can would suggest people consider looking at. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Salini, we have a few minutes left. Anything uh, that you have in your upcoming uh, uh, Trends Journal that is um, caught you by surprise or interesting or you want to share? Well, you know, one of our trends was, uh, the top trends was, you know, driverless cliff, not driverless cars. And we said this whole hype about driverless cars was a bunch of baloney, and it was Silicon Geek Valley ways of making money and fooling people. And now you saw it just happened in Tempe, Arizona, and now the companies are backing off on doing this. There's not going to be driverless cars. Again, think for yourself is our motto, but we provide information for people that are investing in different areas. And we're saying, for only speaking for myself, that's not one to invest in. And also the thing about electric vehicles. When you look at the real numbers, they're way down. They're, they're nothing in consideration of what the, the, the yearly supply of new automobiles are. Nothing is going to change in the electric vehicle area until we come out with a more advanced battery. The battery technology that they're working with today, you know when it began? 1800. So you want to talk about a smokestack industry. So don't buy the hype. And there's a lot of hype out there. And by the way, the markets don't move if Trump fires somebody, if he's going to talk to the, the guy in North Korea or the Facebook baloney. That's not moving the markets, but that's the headline news. So we're suggesting to people, tune in more and look at the facts and don't buy the buzz. Yeah, and uh, yeah. thanks for for sharing that. And we received the uh, the updates. John, what did you say the updates were? The email updates, the trends, insights, trend alerts, trend updates. Yeah, and, and that's a, um, a a nice addition to your subscription to the Trends Journal, folks. Again, highly recommend the Trends Journal, Gerald Salani's Trends Journal. Um, I think for yourself, and, and that is again Mr. Salani's motto. Um, 
I, you know, we just thank you so very much for your wisdom, for your measured analysis of what's going on, and for the, all that you do. And I really appreciate your time tonight, your gracious gift of time. No, no, thank you for all that you do, and it's an honor to be on your show. And again, it's going to be, it, we make the difference. It does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority, keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men, said Samuel Adams. <laughs> Absolutely. Very well and we're that tireless minority. Amen. All right, my brother. Until next time, God bless you. Keep may God bless, keep you safe. And uh, again, thank you for your gracious gift of time, folks. That was Gerald Salenti, TrendsResearch dot com. I got to tell you, if you're not getting the Trends Journal, you're missing out. So yeah, yeah. take this opportunity tonight. In fact, after this broadcast, subscribe. It's well worth its weight in gold, silver, platinum, palladium. I don't know whatever else, what other metal. And, and what, you know what? What he said about gold. Yeah, it went up. Uh, uh, look, I, you know, twenty some dollars. That, and as well as the, uh, the 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 remark about Davos, uh, watching that carefully, carefully, uh, watching that real carefully. So, and, and by the way, and I he's think, right. The Fed, uh, yeah, she didn't yeah. misspeak when saying no. on a weak dollar. No, no, and, no. And President Trump saying that she misspoke. I don't know if he understands, which I would hope he understands. Oh, I think of everything that I think he would understand that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and I've got to say, I, I have to give Joe a lot of credit for all the research he's done, John as well, for all the research and work that John's done, and Eric, of course, for the technical side of things. By the way, for those just joining us, a throwback week this week, we are battle-hardening our systems, doing some things behind the scenes, not taking any crap anymore, which means, of course, um, certain things and Part of that is being audio only for the rest of this week. And it's because of your support. It's because of your kind support that we're able to push forward, move on, continue on. And by the way, I did have a kind of, that was a real conversation with a real person, really named Rob, um, that generated that question to, uh, Gerald. And, you know, the, the actual, uh, the actual conversation, uh, went very much like that because you can, when I say, you know, when I say throw up my hands and say enough is enough and I'm done, not really. Cause you're right, Joe. I could never walk away from this. Nor could you, nor could anyone in the studio right now. I know that. And maybe that's the difference be- between us and them. Um, because doing so to me would be like a snowflake maneuver, like a soy boy kind of thing, right? I mean, that's just. So we're, we're in for the I mean, long haul. Even if, and we have our guest, John Rappaport, oh, bring him on in just good. a second. Even if I had a billion dollars in the bank, what would I'd you still do? have to do this. What would I'd you still have, do? I mean, I'd probably do it from a different location <laughs> each day, but I would still do the show. So, so you'd get rid of your 72 Pinot, right? And, uh, yeah. 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 But, but no, and, and even looking at our next guest, John Rappaport, no more fake news, okay? I mean, look at this gentleman. He, he, he owes no one anything. He, he, and I'm, and again, I'm being serious about this. We've got a wonderful, vibrant audience all across the world. Hundred and some odd countries, 120 countries, hundred and I don't know, whatever it is. On average, you know, 75, anywhere between 75,000 to 125,000 listeners, viewers per night. Numbers don't show it on, on you know public numbers, um, but but where I was going with this is uh, 
Very simply, we're doing this because if we don't, who will? And if we don't, most importantly, if we don't, how are we going to explain to our grandchildren? Or how are we going to explain to our God that when we had the opportunity to do something, we didn't? I don't want to be in that position. Either one. And I think that's what separates the the patriots, the conservatives, from individuals who write articles on sites like Right Wing Watch and Democratic Underground and you know Salon and you know these all of these other websites. In my opinion, that's what separates us from them. We've got the uh, forgive me for saying this. We've got the balls to the wall attitude. And if you're offended by that, but not offended by the murderous uh, activities of Planned Parenthood, in my opinion, or the criminality of Hillary and Bill Clinton after reading Peter Schweitzer's new book, or not offended by the crap that we see going on inside the swamp, I'll deal with it with God myself, my my words. Thank you very much. Let's bring on our guest, John Rappaport. No more fake news. He's, yeah, no he's, more, a, he's a great guy. No uh, more fake news dot com. Uh, a reoccurring guest and friend here on the, the Hagman Report. Mr. Rappaport, it's great to have you back on, and there's no shortage of things to talk about today. Uh, really? And it's great to be here as always. It's a terrific place to be. Well, I'll tell you what, you make it that way. Our listeners make it that way, and our viewers make it that way, and patriots together, we make it that way, and, uh, even you've been making a difference in many areas and for quite a long time, and we thank you for that. You've got so much, uh, you got so much, so much news on your website, nomorefakenews.com, and so many revelations and doing it for so long. By the way, folks, if you haven't taken advantage of, uh, the matrix revealed in all of John's, um, uh, in, intellectual products, do so. Well worth it as well. Joe, I'm going to kick it to you because I know that you had some questions. Well, yeah, uh, John, you got a, a few interesting articles up on your site. One of them, the London police now have a firm definition of a thought crime. I'd like to get into that, but we can start anywhere that you want to tonight. Well, I think that's a good place to start because the rats are scurrying. That's how I see it more and more. The people on the inside of these bureaucracies are trying to harden their position because they feel threatened. They feel threatened by populist movements springing up around the world and uh, the sense that people are sick and tired of uh, huge government and inefficient, incompetent, overweening, fascist-type states so the UK Met Police, which is the London Police, but they also have other functions outside of London, they have posted now on their website something that will make uh, George Orwell <laughs> wake up and say, this is what I was talking about. They say, if you say something, you a citizen... That or write something that in itself is not a criminal offense. 
But somebody, anybody, points out that your reasons for saying it or writing it involved hate or were motivated by hate, then it could become a criminal offense automatically and be prosecuted. Now, try to make sense out of that. Yeah. Oh, well, how can you? It's, uh, you know, it's absolutely insane. And as you said, and in your article, you quote a paragraph from uh, George Orwell's book, 1984, and you write, Welcome back, George. Things are playing out as you predicted. And they are. I mean, look what's happening. We saw a a man uh, charged because he trained his dog how to high-five and, and made a joke about it being a Nazi salute over in Europe. We've seen people uh, locked up for saying that uh, terrorist attacks are, certain terrorist attacks were Muslim in origin, and on and on and on. You can even get locked up in some areas for saying the wrong gender pronoun. How how can they enforce this, uh, John? How are they able to, is this just going to be a, you know, a selective enforcement type thing? We're going to go after those who we view as our our, our political enemies and leave the rest alone. I mean, this just seems so, uh, I don't even know what to say. It's just so bad. Yeah, it is so bad. Uh, what the police in London are doing is basically uh, relying on anybody who feels that they have the power to read somebody else's mind. This is a thought crime. Well, what he said really wasn't criminal, but I detected that there was hatred behind it, therefore should be prosecuted. Well, hatred of whom? Hatred of what? Hatred of, uh, how about hatred of uh, criminals committing murder? Hatred of... Uh, selective enforcement of laws hatred of uh, medical doctors who are giving psychiatric drugs that damage the brains of uh, babies what about that is that now become a hate crime uh, anything that uh, threatens or criticizes uh, the deep state that could now be fodder for criminal prosecution in by the UK Met Police so yeah this is uh, the lashback on this is already quite fantastic not just this case but some of the ones that you mentioned for example oh yeah there's no shortage of them out there and this is my my problem obviously the whole thing is, is a problem the whole idea of uh, hate speech laws and, and thought crimes and, and people who are perceived to have their feelings hurt by somebody else can report on you and you can, you know, be facing prosecution because of your your thoughts or ideas. But my problem is, what if the statements are truthful, whether they are per perceived as hateful or not? What if it's the truth? How do they? Are, is there any provision to deal with that separately? No, none in the definition that I just uh, paraphrased. Absolutely not. There is no statement in there about truth or falsity. It's as if well, they're well. saying hate is a bad thing, no matter who is hating or what they're hating. All we want is peace and submission and passivity, <laughs> you know, by the population. That's what we're looking for. 
And if we get that, it's fine. But anything that creates a ripple in that pond for any reason, then we can go after it and prosecute it. That seems to be exactly what they're uh, ultimately driving at here. You know, they want a pacified population. Now, in the United States as well, we're seeing um, something that that, uh, I'm watching this really close. Um, Wow. I I could approach this a number of different ways. Uh, Dan Bongino, a regular contributor on Fox News, is talking about the... um, about the history and then the history of the fairness doctrine here uh, I'm making a point here John bear with me um, sure. and, and, and you know how, how uh, what we're seeing um, is a response to the absence of the fairness doctrine and then we see individuals right now attempting to reformat section 230 of the communications decency act which, by the way, and this is public record, so I'm not speaking out of school to those who are transcribing the words of this program, was contained in a, in, in a lawsuit in the federal court against me, okay, uh, personally, and against this program. Um, of course, the plaintiff, uh, you know, in, in my ongoing, uh, uh, federal case, it certainly, uh, doesn't like the provisions of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Apparently, wants to be the arbiter of truth or what uh, they believe the truth would be. And, and we're seeing this, I guess I said all of that to say this, we're seeing this mentality now uh, so pervasive right now. This, uh, we, we, through censorship, through lawfare, through um, uh, through attacks, through uh, attempted in pers- you know potential legislation, all of this is coming down on Americans now. John, how do we stop this? How, how do we stop the? I, I want to be free to say what the First Amendment gives me the right to say. You bet. I, I, let me I just really take this so, before I try to answer that. Let me just take this into another field because. This is an astonishing story that perhaps many of your listeners are not aware of. Uh, Let's take it into the medical field. A study was published not long ago under the auspices of the National Academy of Sciences, which is one of the most prestigious scientific groups in America. This was about mass immigration. The study authors automatically assumed, first of all, that floods of migrants would be roaming all over the world. This is not going to stop and settling in other countries. Nowhere in the study is it mentioned that someone might have a legitimate uh, objection to this. In fact, the basis of the study was to try to find a way to make people who did object to this change their minds through chemistry. In this study, people were given a hormone called oxytocin, which is sometimes referred to as the love hormone. It occurs naturally in the body, or the hugging hormone. And 
they found that if they gave these people who had objections to mass immigration or migrants this hormone plus certain quote social cues that they could change their minds about immigrants and migration and the authors pretty much celebrated the fact that they were able to do this and said that they you know we're on the road to discovering the socio-biological basis of the immigration problem in other words nobody should object nobody should cite reasons why this is a bad idea mass immigration nobody should point out the crime statistics nobody should object to open borders Nobody should talk about the uh, overwhelming burden that it places on uh, government budgets or the taking of jobs from people who already live in the countries to which these migrants are going. None of that, you see, has any relevance whatsoever. There's nothing legitimate about that whatsoever. All we have to do is to find a way to reprogram individuals with chemicals so that they'll change their minds and be receptive. I mean, this is just staggering to me. Yeah. Absolutely staggering. And, and so, how, do we understand, you know, what, what exactly their process was or what they, uh, how they plan to do this or how they did this with the way, well, I mean, what they, are they saying or that because they, of, they did it, they did it, you know, uh, they gave the chemical, however they did this, whether it was through injection or orally, and uh, and the social cues that they used. I don't know exactly what they were, but that was their conclusion, that they could change people's minds. So, obviously, the implication was, well, we need to find a way to do this on a broader basis. You know, it's like the people who say... Uh, let's put fluoride in the water all over the world, no matter what people think or say, because we think it's a great idea. Or let's put uh, some kind of ADHD drug like Ritalin in the water because everybody can benefit from it, and we don't care whether there's any informed consent to this medical treatment. Well, let's find a way to dose everybody with oxytocin, and then they'll be agreeable to whatever government policies uh we want to inflict on them. I mean, that would be the implication. We have to find a broader way to seed uh, the population with this chemical. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. And I, and I I know you said the oxytocin earlier. I must have missed that, or, or it slipped my mind. And and that is a. Uh, and you think about that, and think about you know today I was when coming to the studio, um, we had. Uh, cloud cover in the morning, and as the cloud cover moved away, you saw all the the chemtrails. Where how many times you know the the plane came by with the spray, basically making the the whole sky cloudy again. And I was thinking, you know, what if there was a harmful chemical in this batch or some kind of mind alterant? You know, everybody nobody would know what happened when, when it hit them, and everybody would be poisoned. But think of that. Uh, you know, could there be? some kind of, of chemical, you know, whether the water, the, and we know that so many of the chemicals were already bombarded with, 
from fluoride to others already have these effects, but if they narrowed it down to a very specific component and how to administer that, uh, the ramifications are endless of what they can do. Exactly. And to go back to the initial question, you know, what can we do about the attempt to shut down free speech? First of all, we need a lot more citizen reporters uh, who are speaking freely and writing freely. Even though there are so many now independent media outlets, we need more. And aside from that, uh, we need to wake people up to the implications of what's happening. You know, that there is this mad attempt to censor that's going on in some of the largest corporations in the world, the social media corporations. My take on this is, for example, your show, your place online. Enough people, plenty of people, uh, are drawn to it and have been drawn to it and know about it and want it so that they don't have to go through social media to get to you and find you and listen to you. And that should be the objective of every independent media operation in the world, whether it's a one-person thing or a staff, I don't care, where they become sufficiently visible and are saying and writing important enough information so that people would just ignore social media because, well, I just go to their website. I don't need to go through the, their Facebook and their Twitter, etc., etc., etc. If they use that, fine. But you know, if if they get shut down on social media, which is happening more and more, I don't need that. I know where they are. I know how to find them. That to me is going to become increasingly important as a strategic factor here as we move on because these social media companies are not going to back off they're going to just keep censoring and censoring they've said that and uh, we have to you know get around that and not say to people well if we're not on social media you won't be able to find us nonsense right I mean, it's very important what you're saying, John, and this is important for everybody out there who has uh, people that they rely upon for their all, their media content. And, you know, know the websites. Know, uh, avo- I avoid Facebook like the plague. If, if I could get away with it, I would delete the account permanently today. But we have other pages like the Hagner Report page and whatnot connected to it. And, and John, we can stem this out into the, the most recent activity just on Facebook, I guess, with uh, Mark Zuckerberg, and I'd just like to get your opinions. Uh, do you think he's going to, and Facebook is going to survive this? I think they're going to survive this, but it won't be the same as they put out, you know, apologies playing the victim over this. It, like, it's some big news that their company, Facebook, is a, isn't a data mining scheme, and wasn't from the beginning. <laughs> they're trying to act right. like, you know, this is a one-time thing. But isn't this why Facebook was created? Sure. I mean... You can see, and I've written about this CIA-associated money that was there at the beginning. I've talked about this in the past uh, when Zuckerberg was just a, a, a real youngster, probably, uh, I think he was in high school. There was one of these summer camps in the southeast of the U.S. 
talent camps, you know, which I call talent spotting because people look for, okay, so where are the most talented teens? Let's bring them to our summer camp. He was there. Lady Gaga was there. It's very easy for an organization like the CIA to be looking over the shoulder, if not, you know, uh, secretly funding certain organizations like this, and to say, okay, let's keep our eye on this one and that one and this one because we can help them do what they want to do to succeed, and then we can kind of, uh, if not, you know, nakedly run the show, we can influence which way they go and what they do and how it benefits us and how it makes for more control over society. So these these are long-range operations to turn over more and more of society to people who are easy to control themselves and manipulate by promising them extraordinary success. So, yeah, Facebook was always an operation, an intelligence operation from the beginning. And uh, my take is, like yours, it'll survive... But I think uh, what I see is more people waking up to the damage that it causes. Just on the area of um, destroying people's confidence in themselves and focusing them entirely on whether other people like them or not, which is really a disaster. And the bullying and the mockery and the ridicule that goes on uh, on uh, Facebook pages... I think more and more, uh, you know, intelligent people are going to opt out as they see this is just ruining my life. I mean, I have nothing else. That's all I do. Uh, I don't think, you know, I think you're going to find many more defections than we see now. And there's there's studies that have uh, gone out that show people who have spent, you know, in recent months or years, a certain amount of time online on social media sites, when they decrease their time, they find themselves to be happier. And uh, we see that how many, you know, marriages and, and things are, are ruined by people's behaviors and, and uh, on Facebook. And, it, you know, what, what could be used for such a, a, a good and positive thing, obviously, uh, that never happens. We always see how it's twisted and, and uh, used against the, the people and, and but I just find it amazing that still here we are in 2018 that people are surprised by the fact that uh, Facebook is first and foremost a surveillance company that is used to sell all your data to to any and everybody who comes along with with a, a wad of dough. And uh, we also know that this whole Cambridge Analytica thing that Obama utilized these same tactics in 2012 and. There's speeches on how they did this, but it's, it's five times more effective, and you use Facebook itself as a platform. And with with respect to Cambridge Analytica, just as an FYI, uh, uh, although Donald Trump, the, the campaign used it, uh, he stopped at the primary, and in fact found a different uh, uh, different right. method was much more successful. Just as an FYI, mm-hmm. so absolutely. I mean, social programming has been going on for a very long time in one form or another and they hit the jackpot with Facebook because people could be corralled into 
trying to impress other people and have other people like them by posting whatever they post, you know, pictures and so on and so forth. And it all starts off seemingly innocent, but really it's this obsession to be liked, to be liked for trivial things because uh, there are many people who can be roped in by that because they have nothing else. You know, whereas an independent media outlet that has some integrity is putting out information and good work to expose the crimes of the deep state. When people are attracted to that, it's because they're finding out important things about what's going on in the world. That's a whole different proposition than social programming. I mean, Edward Bernays, who is the father of modern public relations and the nephew of Sigmund Freud, said, wrote at one point uh, something to the effect, it's relatively easy to influence millions of people, but it can be nearly impossible to influence a single person. And what he meant by that was the independent individual who isn't influenced by groupthink and what other people think of him is not going to respond to mass social programming. Social programming is aimed at the group, the mass, the collective. It's all part of creating a collective society when you think about it. That's the whole purpose. If we broadcast certain messages, people are going to form up into groups with, quote, special needs, etc., etc., and we're going to have a society composed of groups, which is exactly what we, the controllers, want, because then we got them. If we have a society that is mainly composed of awake, alert, uh, thoughtful, creative individuals, we're in deep, deep trouble because then they don't respond to social programming. That was always the basis of social programming and propaganda from the beginning. And we, uh, I've read several books on this subject from uh, uh, how the brain works to how the uh, psychology is manipulated to uh, maximum, how the TV messages are manipulated uh, for maximum damage psychologically, and everything and all, all in between from subliminal messaging to uh, brainwashing. And it is uh, frightening to see how much this agenda has been able, this collectivist agenda, this group thing that you talk about, has been accepted by uh, the American public, uh, by uh, pushed by the news media. And it's evident when we see, you know, the social justice movement, this political correctness, and on and on and on. And I wonder how many people are going to... Uh, how many people are, how many minds are really being changed? And I think it is more for the younger people, the younger generations, this incessant and constant push of their ideal, ideology. But at the same time, I wonder, you know, are they willing to wait that long? And going back to what you, you opened up or what we talked about earlier, the, the chemical aspect of this, is there some, you know, wild card that, that could be used against the, the population in the future, uh, to try to, to inch this or, or budge this and make this go much faster? But I, I see a problem with them trying to implement this with the the public, at least in America right now, but 10, 20 years from now, 
they're going to have a much easier time because it seems like yeah, the, the I wouldn't give it that long. The way things okay. are going, no. And, and John, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but do you see it taking that long? I mean, I, I see it right around the corner. And feel free to disagree. <laughs> well, I agree and I disagree. I mean, right around the corner, I think, is greater acceleration among a large part of the population to accept these collectivist values and ideals. But five years out, there are going to be a whole lot of people who are desolate and don't know what happened to them just like what happens to people who come out of a cult they finally recognize gee I thought I was saving the world and instead I was just part of a cult that was controlling me and many other people now what do I do well now you got a problem a serious problem when you have all these people at loose ends who have left the fold because they've seen some piece of the truth now they have to put themselves back together again. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a rocky road, for sure. It's not going to be and something smooth. John, you mentioned a, a cult, that cult mentality. And recently I watched a, a special on David Koresh. It was called Messiah or Madman. And I was shocked at the number of the Branch Davidians that were interviewed. Uh, I think all but one person or, or family still believed that this Koresh was, was a messiah versus the one person or family who said, you know, the only reason he got uh, as much power and, and the way he did is because, you know, the people who, we nobody stood up against him. But I, just to speak into that mentality, so here we are, you know, almost what, 25 years after Waco, and these people who are Christians, who have the Bible, who are able to understand and should be able to discern right from wrong and, and truth from fiction or lies still believe that David Koresh was a messiah and that just shocks me and I think that is uh, a testament to what we're talking about and how people might never snap out of that mindset yeah some people never do they cling on to it forever because their identity is so tied up in the whole thing and then if they're also the uh, subjects of severe oppression and attack as in Waco for some people that just hardens their position forever that they really were there with a messiah and uh, you know they just never give that up it's, uh, it's just the way they think you know we had the whole entire reformation in Europe where because of the printing press basically the Bible was made available to many, 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 many people all of a sudden. When previous to that, uh, it wasn't that way at all. So you could have an all-powerful church that would say, we will interpret this book for you and tell you exactly what it means, and if you want to be saved, there is only one way to do it, and that is through us and through our priests. That is the designated intermediary for your redemption. And that was, you know, the de facto law of the land for a very long time until all of a sudden people could just 
get a hold of the Bible, read it for themselves, and see what it said directly, and then those people who were religious would say, well, what do we need this gigantic structure for? Just, I mean, it's it's not an exact analogy, but, you know, now we have a, a situation where I think, I believe it's true that more and more people are saying, why do we need this gigantic censoring, surveilling, punishing deep state government? What What's the purpose of all of that? Why do we need this to tell us what we can do and what we can't do? If we have our own basic sense of ethics and morality, what do we need them for? I think more and, uh, more and more of that is becoming obvious to people that this is all about mind control. It's about convincing people that the system and the structure is paramount and you can't break the system. This is what the globalists are talking about. They're saying, look, we have this international system in place of trade and agreements and cooperation and power and relationships that we have been building for <clears throat> nigh on a century now. And it would be a disaster to try to tinker or seriously uh, impede that structure. We have to have it. Well, that's a complete lie and a fraud. We don't have to have it at all. And we can get along very well without it. Trump has pointed that out endlessly. Brexit, other countries... People are waking up and realizing, wait a minute, you know, we have our own nation. We can make agreements with others without having to dive into the cesspool of the globalists. We can deal directly. We don't need intermediaries. We don't need the globalist priesthood to tell us how we should interact with people in different countries. And that takes, as you said, takes away, you know, took away from the, the power of the priesthood and the power that, not that uh, good power that they had, but the, the abusive power that they had. And it is um, shocking to, to continue to watch to see how the country is so divided and, and it's becoming so uh, politicized. Everything is becoming so politicized. And it seems like almost we're being uh, corralled or herded into this mentality of us versus them or left versus right almost in anticipation of, of some conflict uh, I, I don't see any other outcome because I mean how, how do you once you, you get the uh, people and, and, and so far divided against each other what would it take to bring them back and that's something I can't see or understand so the only other option for me is well some kind of conflict you know you get everybody uh, hating each other to, to as maximum uh, amount of emotional as emotionalism as possible and then you, you turn the lights off or you, you know you, you throw a firecracker in the middle between the two groups and you know something to, to spark that that um that battle and that's what i see happening and i just don't see a way uh, minus people you know completely unplugging from all the uh, inundation of media and tv and movies and, and whatnot i don't see us getting around this well they certainly have to unplug but if i can offer a suggestion 
I believe that one of the answers would be increasing prosperity. And I mean, in general, let's just talk about the U.S. for a minute. If the U.S. continues to gain a better economy, more prosperity, more jobs, more employment, and if this continued pretty much across the board in all sectors, then what happens is people look at each other and they say, you know what? What are we arguing about? You're doing pretty well, aren't you? Yeah, not too bad. How about you? Yeah. Okay, not, you know, it was really bad for a while, but it's a lot better now. Okay. These people can talk to each other. They can interact without uh, horrible, you know, conflict <clears throat> and bad, 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 bad feelings toward one another. And this, I think, is one of the real objectives of nationalism. You look out for your own country. You try to make it more prosperous. You try to raise all, all boats with a stronger economy. And that makes people feel more secure, more safe. They ignore the media which is always telling them that, you know, disaster is right around the corner and they're blaming whoever they decide to blame. And basically the country floats away from the deep state. And you've got something that you can sort of sink your teeth into. If that happened, that would be a very, very good thing. Because when you start to take, you know, as has been happening for a long time, you start taking away jobs here, jobs there, factories closed, they go out of the country, which is the globalist plan to wreck the economies, cause these conflicts to deepen, and eventually end up in some sort of, you know, horrendous conflict like a, you know, civil war, whatever you want to call it. When things move away from that and nations get the sense of, well, you know, actually what we need to do is we need to build up our own economy. And we need to make trade deals and agreements with other countries as we see fit to our mutual benefit instead of uh, operating through these horrendous globalist treaties like NAFTA and so on and so forth. Which, by the way, destroyed many independent corn farmers in Mexico put about a million and a half of them out of work in a fairly short time after NAFTA was passed because of the imbalances that were fostered in that globalist trade treaty. And many of those farmers decided that their only out was to come up to the United States and get in here. So um, nations can wake up to this if they will. It's not an easy road. They can disentangle themselves from what is really one of the prime agendas of the globalists, which is to destroy and wreck economies and you, cause you just, 
I, I mean, you just described you, you just described the agenda, or at least the campaign platform of President Donald Trump. Basically, right. okay. And I guess the backlash, of course, is the globalist uh, backlash against that agenda, which I find extremely interesting in in the analysis of what is happening, you know, the current events. So, uh, really, we should be seeing an improvement of all things, allowing that agenda, American exceptionalism and such, to move forward is is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, and we can't expect the media to cover that. You know, that would just be them committing suicide. That's not what they want. So they could go out. You know, it's always uh, one thing I've learned from all the years of reporting is there are endless stories to tell, important stories. Now, you can choose these over here. You can choose those over there. And media is biased, talking about so-called liberal media, to cover these over here. But right now, you could go out into the country if you were an adventurous reporter, and you could find areas where the economy is coming back. And you could interview people, and you could talk to people who are, you know, benefiting from that. People who are here, live here legally. White people, black people, brown people, yellow people, whatever you want to make these crazy distinctions and you would find in general that they're feeling better and things are okay and they're getting along all right with their people uh, who work with them at, at the factory or wherever it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, we're doing all right. You know. And you begin reporting on that in depth, the improvements that are actually taking place and what effects it has on the psychology of people. And you ask them, these people who are benefiting. Do you watch a lot of news? Well, I watch some, you know, and so forth. So, I mean, are you influenced to a great degree by the news? No. You know, I'm focusing on my family, my work, my job, and so forth. And and things, you, you see this is your situation is getting better? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you could find a lot of places in America where this is already happening since the inauguration. Suppose uh, all, all of a sudden you turned around, you know, I don't know, some some guy that nobody ever heard of took over the reins at CNN and said, this is what we're going to report on. You guys are all crazy and we're firing all of you. Bring in a whole new raft of reporters because we know the economy is improving, so we want to document that in great detail in a human interest kind of way that's going to be attractive to a lot of viewers. <laughs> well, the first thing that would happen is their ratings would go shooting up through the roof. That's the first thing that would happen. That means their advertising rates would go up, and they'd be making more money. And they could even pay reporters more money. I mean, this is, of course, hypothetical, but I'm just saying this is in an alternate universe, this is possible. So then you have to say, well, why isn't that happening? Well, because they're, the people at CNN are uh, devoted to destroying uh, what they see as a threat. They are in the globalist camp. They have to try to destroy Trump. 
and I don't care whether you you favor Trump or you don't favor Trump, it's what he instigated and stimulated and his words. Even if you say, well, he meant nothing that he said, he's totally a uh, fraud and dishonest, whatever. Okay, fine. But the effect of what he said has spread all over the world. And you can see it. Well, who's reporting on that? Certainly not CNN. That's the last thing they would do. Even though it would save their necks as their ratings are dipping and going down and down and down. And that's one thing that tells me they don't, I mean, we already know that they don't depend on ratings. They're funded by this, you know, deep state, globalist, new world order uh, agenda. And I, and John, I agree with what you said about, uh, you know, creating more wealth and, and more opportunity in this country. And if everybody were in better economic shape, my only problem with that is so many of the people on the left and the right who are these anti-Trump, anti-constitutionalists have money. I mean, we see this with the, the Hollywood elite and, uh, you know, the whole culture of Hollywood and, and the entertainment industry and the sporting worlds where we see this in, uh, you know, everywhere where there seems to be power, we see, you know, the, this ideology being pushed by some of the most, most well-to-do people. I mean, Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, these people who are crying about income inequality are some of the richest people in the Congress. So I Indeed. do agree for the regular average citizen. It would and, the, and the thing is, uh, but you have to factor in the media there. See, because, yeah. yes, I agree with you. You're talking about all these rich people who are pretending to be liberals and so forth. Well, okay, so how many, uh, you know, uh, illegal immigrants, uh, males of fighting age who are single are you housing in your six mansions personally because you're so much in favor of open borders? None. Really? What's the matter with you? You know, yeah, I, I, I see exactly what you're saying and I agree with it. But then you have to factor in the media coverage of these mm-hmm. people who are, uh, you know, on the left and are going crazy about everything. Because without the media coverage, it would be of less, tremendously less import for this, these movements to be happening and so forth. And people would be paying much less attention to it. And therefore, we can sort of see, well, suppose that there's a formula at work here. You know, with rising prosperity, people tend to pay less attention to the media and shrug it off. Now, if that's true, then the more prosperity across the board that we would see, the less people would pay any attention to the media coverage of these obsessed fanatics uh, who are trying to bring down the country. Well, you know, one of the things you said is, is spot on. You know, the media never, rarely, hardly ever, will you see them promoting anything good or wholesome or, uh, you know, sometimes they'll do, you know, CNN will have a, a 10-minute piece a week, uh, you know, Citizen of the Week or American of the, the Month or something like that. But, you know, just like the police, we see so often that the only things that are highlighted by the police officers are what other people perceive as wrongful shootings or controversial shootings. You don't see the, you know, home, the, the police who are feeding homeless people or, you know, giving them shoes or clothes or helping this person or that person. Those stories are never talked about. And, right. and you're exactly right. If CNN were to completely scrap all of its employment and, and its business model and were only to adopt 
a motto or mission statement of the truth and, and rebuilt the network off that, they'd be the most successful media network ever in American history probably. But they're never I, going to do They're that. never going to do that. Yeah, I've said this for years and years and years, and I've written about it. You know, you make me the editor of the New York Times, and with within two years, I'll have the New York Times doing two print editions a day on the newsstands and selling out all the papers. And it's not just me. They know that. They know that they could revolutionize their model, so to speak, and start covering other stories, all kinds of stories that people really are interested in. And they could get out of the deep red ink that they're in. And the New York Times is just some really deep red ink. <laughs> so they could do that. And even if a lot of their advertisers went away, that wouldn't mean anything. New advertisers would step right up to the plate. Man, the, the you know the New York Times is, is just going wild here. This is fantastic. Let's buy some ads. So they would have a whole new raft of advertisers. And the pharmaceutical companies would go away and stop advertising. Great, you know. And the whole thing could change, but they won't do that because they're basically in partnership with the globalists and the technocrats and the people who want to institute a fascist new world order, one planet, one nation. They're in cahoots. They are in cahoots. They have made their deal with the devil and they're not going to back away from that but they could it could be done any one of these networks could do that or any one of these major major newspapers could do that and there would be a big outcry and this and that but after a while man they'd be just raking in the money mm -hmm. yeah and it's a uh... It's a it's a battle that has been you know going on uh, since the beginning of time really and it's continuing today and is playing out with all of our uh, technological and other advances from the the TV to the internet to on and on and on and uh, when we see and John we only have a few minutes left I just want to wrap up by saying this when we see the churches as we have in America moving away from scripture that tells me that's an indicator to me that things are about to get so much worse, whether it's in, in one year or 20 years. But that things are, are so far off track, we're in, we're in a lot of trouble if we don't try to right the ship. And this is why alternative media is so important, because these media companies aren't going to do this. They're not going to try to uh, put America's best interests at heart now, but the alternative media are trying to do that. So this is why the alternative media are, are so important. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to ask these churches who are doing basically, you know, leftist social programming now. What are you based on? Let's get down to the root of this. You know, congregations have to be asking this to the minister. What is the basis of our church now? Really, I mean, what's the root of why you're here and this building is here and we're here? What do we believe is the most important thing? And once that dialogue starts, all bets are off. But, yeah, I take that as an ominous sign. 
if you pretend to believe in very important things but you really don't anymore and you are captured by other interests who somehow can sway you from where you once stood into a destructive agenda and that's what you're parroting from the pulpit every day and every week that's some serious trouble you know I I really hope that people just heard exactly what you said and, and if not go back and listen not just to that last uh, couple of paragraphs by John Rappaport but by the for the entire interview because a lot of very significant information was passed and, and um, the wisdom that you've provided absolutely vital to understanding where we are and why we are where we are today very interesting um, man I wish we had another you know two days with you, you, know, <laughs> you could, could pick your brain but we only got a, a minute left yeah. anything um, that we didn't talk about that you feel is important that you want to talk about I think we've, uh, you know, pretty well covered a lot of territory here. Um, I keep trying to tell people, you know, that change is possible and they can contribute to that. And they just have to look somewhere else other than where they're looking now. It's very important to expose corruption and crime and so forth, and I do that every day as deeply as I possibly can. But at the same time, we have to uh, emphasize the individual human spirit and what that's all about, really, uh, to say this is still the basis of what we are and what we believe. And many, many good things can come of that. And, yeah. you know, we can't just pass that by. Amen. John, we're out of time. Folks, visit nomorefakenews.com. John Rappaport is our guest. There's an interesting article he has out there from the 12th of March. Head of Secret Pentagon Program says UFOs can warp space-time. Read that article. Must John, read. thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you, guys. Always wonderful to be here. God bless. Stay safe. And until next time, folks, no, we're breaking right back. You know, it's it's so great to have the quality of guests, the quality of content, the quality of information, information you're not going to hear elsewhere, right here on the Hagman Report. And we thank you so much, each and every one of you, for your support, your belief, your trust, your your kindness. Go ahead and send an email to studio at Hagman and Hagman.com. Tell us. Give us your feedback. I welcome that. We welcome that. We read all of the emails. Can't answer them all because if we did... We wouldn't be able to read them all. So, um, but having said that, so much information. You know, um, the fast and furious headlines, the the dire headlines, the overtaking the the good, and there is good, but there's dire. Uh, the coup that's ongoing within our government, the everything in between. So there's been so much to talk about, and I think we've used 
our time. And I think you, the listener, the viewer, have used your time well, if I may say so myself, given the content of our programming so far this week and continuing with that in that spirit, in that format is Pastor David Langford the voice of evangelism.com uh, one of my well my favorite uh, I will say and I hope I hope I'm correct in saying this scriptorian um, maybe that's not the correct word or even the descriptive term but a, a man who uh, knows the Bible and is someone that I rely personally to help me understand the Bible where it where I need specific assistance. And of course I, I like to call him the Hagman Report spiritual advisor, uh, biblical advisor to the Hagman Report. With that, Pastor David Langford. Thanks for thanks for coming on, Pastor. Well, it's a great joy to be with you guys today. I see where you guys got hammered again with a inundation of snow. We got snow flurries all day down here, but no accumulation. So you just keep getting hit, don't you, Doug? The pastor, this was um, actually we we were missed, we were spared uh, this, this time, time around. But this time. the the nor'easter. See, we're in western Pennsylvania, so the, those right. nor'easters are uh, more to the east of us. But uh, we still do have snow on the ground, and it still is cold. But we were spared the snowfall. Um, and hopefully we're done for the year. Yeah, yeah I think it's been a pretty hard winter, pretty depressing for most people. Um, you know, cold weather can be an enemy after a while. Yes, and it affects it affects your you know you physically, of course, and your outlook and such. Um, uh, if if you let it, I suppose. But but boy, yeah, you go outside to get the newspaper in the morning and the and the, and the milk out of the milk box. Oh wait, we don't do that anymore. Yes, we do. When your fridge is broken, you got a milk box. <laughs> That's right. No, I've been using my back room. That's funny. Yeah, anyway, that. uh, well, 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 yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for noticing. It's, so, you, just to be clear, I mean, it's cold down where you're at in in the Carolinas. I mean, it's, sure. Yeah, yeah, we're still. Uh, we thought we were out of it last week. It, it was a couple of days. We got like sixty, sixty-one, uh, but then all of a sudden it just turned and went the other way. Uh, so I don't know what they're doing other than the weather wars but uh i want to read a story tonight is that all right yeah okay i want to read from first chronicles chapter 21 because i see something in the making and it's not very good and i think we're on a very very tenuous ground unless we really continue to pray in behalf of Donald Trump's First Chronicles 21, beginning at verse 1. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, Go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan, and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. And Joab answered, The Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they be. But my lord the king, are they not all my lord's servants? Why then doth my lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless the king's word prevailed against Joab. Wherefore Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came to Jerusalem. 
And Joab gave the sum of the number of the people unto David. And all they of Israel were a thousand thousand and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. And Judah was four hundred threescore and ten thousand men that drew sword. But Levi and Benjamin counted he not among them, for the king's word was abominable to Joab. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly, because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And the Lord spake unto Gad, David's seer or prophet, saying, Go and tell David, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose the one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So Gad came to David and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Choose thee either three years famine, three months to be destroyed before thy foes, while that the sword of thine enemies overtake thee, or three days of the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence and the land, and the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the coast of Israel. Now therefore advise thyself what word I shall bring again to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord. For very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel seventy thousand men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I, it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be upon me and upon my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David, that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord and the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel, and his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. Then David said to Ornan, Grant me the place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, 
and the wheat for the meat offering. I give it all. And King David said unto Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for the full price, for I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. So David gave to Ornan for the place six hundred shekels of gold by weight. And David built there an altar unto the Lord, and offered burnt offerings, and peace offerings, and called upon the Lord, and he answered him even from heaven by fire upon the altar of burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again into the sheath thereof. At that time, when David saw that the Lord had answered him the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite, then he sacrificed there. For the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses made in the wilderness, and the altar of the burnt offering, were at that season in the high place of Gibeon. But David could not go before it to inquire of God, for he was afraid because of the sword of the angel of the Lord. As I was rereading this the other day, verse 1 in this scripture passage spoke to my heart and to my spirit, where David stood up against Israel, the nation, yet he provoked David to number Israel. There's a reason... God never wants man to trust in himself. Because when man begins to trust in himself, he no longer trusts God. In reality, he no longer believes God, or believes that God is sovereign in the entirety of man's affairs. But what I see right now in my spirit, I see a provocation coming against Donald Trump that's going to affect this nation grossly in the very near future. Weeks ago, I shared from Isaiah 45 about the the secret treasures, the hidden riches. We, we talked about how God was going to expose and going to dispose of certain things. But as a man, Donald Trump can only endure so much criticism, so much castigation, so much impingement as a human being until somewhere along the way he will ultimately react as a man. Now we know, even today it was told that McCabe was already or had previously been inspecting Jeff Sessions overlooking his 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 uh, uh, comments in a congressional hearing in the event he had perjured himself. So there's a lot of things that are going on that we, the American people, don't even see, we don't even know, we don't even understand. We have no idea of how corrupt and vile this deep state is and what all is working. And And whether you want to admit it or not, you are on one side or the other. Joab, at this time, was on God's side, pleading with David, don't do this. You, you, don't, you don't need to do this. God is your strength. You don't need to know how strong you are as a man with your military might. But here is the, the, here's the secret. 
the Bible said Satan stood up against Israel, but he provoked David. In other words, Satan was opposing the nation of Israel as a whole, trying to destroy them as a nation so that through the prophecies, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, could never come to fruition. I was reading some days ago, and I got one of the greatest revelations ever, and how that after God breathed into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul, and then Satan caused Eve to sin, Satan was absolutely certain he had ultimately destroyed God's plan of salvation, God's plan of redemption, and there would never be any way for God to reconcile man back to himself. Satan believed with all certainty it was going to be absolutely impossible. Why? Because man had a God part, a God particle now living in his fleshly state, his fleshly natural state, his manhood. He had a part of God living in him. And, of course, how could God redeem himself? God had no. God has no need. God never has had any need for redemption concerning himself. But because God had breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul, there was now a part of God living, residing in man. Now man has sinned, and now man is separated from God. So how now will God reconcile this? in such a way that he could redeem man and man could be fully restored back to God in a full and complete state. So Satan is overwhelmingly convinced he has utterly destroyed God's plan. But see, God always outguns the devil. And what he did, we find in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. I want to remove the comma after the word flesh in that verse. Through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. God overshadowed Mary she conceived by the Holy Spirit the blood of Jesus Christ was sinless spotless pure royal blood yet he was wrapped in the likeness of sinful flesh Satan never in a zillion years could have ever imagined God having the ability to take divinity and wrap it in humanity and reconcile man back to God. And this is why Satan has such profuse hatred toward humanity. Satan has such contempt, such disrespect. That's why Jesus said, he steals, he kills, he destroys. This is all, he, this is all the devil does. Uh, Job chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, Now there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. What was he saying to God? 
I've been going through the earth. I've been wreaking havoc. I've been uh, inciting riots, uh, provoking people to murder one another. I've been, you know, doing everything that you can imagine when it comes to sin and wickedness, sodomy, bestiality, drunkenness, you name it. I'm, I'm stoking people to do all of this, all of these ungodly things. Satan has such contempt for man because he thought he was certain that causing Eve to sin, there was no way man could be reconciled with God. But God, and that's the great amazing thing about God, is how that God took his deity, wrapped it in humanity, and then died to save us from our sins. Jesus was not sinful. Second Corinthians 5 and 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus did not know sin as you and I know and understand sin. He was sinless, yet he was, he was incar, car, incarnate in the likeness of sinful flesh. It's, he never once sinned, but he understood the power of sin because that's why God made him that way, so he could relate to everything that we go through as human beings. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In the 14th chapter of John, Jesus told the disciples, He said, The prince of this world cometh, but he hath nothing in me. He was telling the disciples, There's nothing in me that he can appeal to to cause me to sin and negate the plan of redemption. Of course, they couldn't fully understand the gravity, the magnitude of what Christ was speaking to them when he said that. Satan is trying to create a circumstance and a situation right now through a provocation that will cause chaos in this land. If Satan, for instance, could provoke Donald Trump to fire Robert Mueller, Mueller, what kind of constitutional crisis would this generate? What kind of division would this generate? Now, here we all, that here the pundits, the talking heads, he has the constitutional powers to do that. Mm -hmm. Legally, authoritatively, he could do that. It may be something else. I don't know. We saw today where it was written on the index cards, do not congratulate Vladimir Putin. That was leaked. My point is, there is something that's going to take place if we don't keep praying. And that's what happens to the church. This is what happens to God's people. They become apathetic. They become complacent. I was listening to your, your last speaker. Uh, the economy is doing good. People's getting money. Uh, they're getting more money on their income tax returns, et cetera, et cetera. People have a hard time handling prosperity. They become apathetic. They become complacent. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9, Solomon said, Lord, feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? When we're under distress, when we're under pressure, when we are under adversity, we seemingly seek God with greater intensity. We seek God more frequently. We seek God more often. But when things begin to go well, 
Well, we quit praying. We quit having devotions. We quit seeking God. I'm afraid many Christians in America have already ceased and seeking God, praying for our nation, because we have an election, and we got a new president, and we seemingly have a good businessman in the White House. The things that he's doing are to help this nation in a more positive way. But all along, the enemy is underlying, and he's waiting for an opportunity for a provocation. And this provocation is going to negatively affect so many people that it would beg description. Not only will this provocation cause chaos, you will begin to see infighting among the Christians, bickering, lambasting, castigating, criticizing. You've got Christians, let me say it this way, you've got so-called purported Christians who are bashing Donald Trump now. And then those who really have sought God and paid the price and God has intervened and raised this man up for a time such as this, they're going to get confused and there'll be more infighting and say, well, well, what's going on here? This is the reason what the Bible tells us here in First Chronicles 21 is so significant. First of all, Satan's uh, uh, grudge, you might say, was against Israel as a nation. And Satan stood up against Israel. That, that, that's where his, his point of contention was, because he knew somehow, someway, through, through the loins of the Jewish people, the Messiah would come. And of course, he tried to corrupt all the seed in the very beginning, and then that's why God created the Noahic the Noatian flood. But Satan never stops in attempting, trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So Satan, I believe, is plotting right now to create some type of provocation. And as I said, it may very well be uh, justifiable. It may very well be legal. It may very well be the right thing to do. But because of all the skewed uh, statements, the, 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 the things that we hear, the news that we hear reported, we don't know. There's very little truth in what we do here. Very, very, very minuscule truth. I mean, I was stunned today to find out that McCabe was already investigating Jeff Sessions. Folks, this, this pot of corruption is seething in perpetuity seeking a way to bring down this nation. You got to remember something. They want this new world order and they will do anything that they can to get it. And for the most part, America, America is the, the nation that is standing in the way of creating this uh, new world order. I mean, Hillary Clinton, Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, all of these people are globalists. They could care less about national borders. There's no other country in the world. Try to do what we, is, or is done to us every week in this nation with aliens, illegal immigrants coming into our country. Try to go to Japan. Go to South Korea. Go to Australia. Go to Russia. Go to Iran. Go to any country in the world and try to do what happens every day in this nation. They will lock you up, put you in prison. You'll be lucky if you get a trial, and you'd really be blessed if you got sent back home. But that only, that only happens in one country, America. So we're the opposition. And because 
Donald Trump has sided himself with Benjamin Netanyahu. And I was thinking the other day, here these two of the greatest Democratic leaders in the world are both under investigation. Now think about that. The two most powerful Democratic Democratic leaders in the world are under investigation. And we know there is a plethora of information, collusion, corruption with Hillary Clinton and Uranium One and and, and, and Comey, all of the, we, we know all this exists, but nobody even talks about that. Nobody even mentions a word about that. Why? Because Satan is desirous to create a provocation that will be of such magnitude that it will actually disrupt the continuity of this nation. And for that, for that as far as that goes, they want a third world war. Now, right now in the Middle East, they are preparing. You may not read this. You may not hear this. They are preparing for a great Mideast war right now. And it was Albert Pike who said there would be three world wars. And in the third world war, we want the Jews, the Muslims, and the Christians fighting each other. The very fact that Donald Trump accelerated the movement of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem is so significant. I just did a uh, nearly three hours worth of videotaping last week. I'm putting together a series because people don't understand some things, and we have novices, and I mean novices. Oh, they may say, oh, I've been a Christian for 40 years. No, you've had a one-year experience 40 times over. That's what you've done. Jerusalem. You, you hear the castigation of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the first city where God poured out the Holy Ghost. Jerusalem was the first city where the church was birthed and born. And how in God's name the Catholic Church usurped that so quickly baffles my mind. I know they think the bishops and the cardinals obtained the authority of the apostles and took over. But my point is, they wasted no time in usurpation. Jerusalem was the first city wherein great persecution came in Acts chapter 8. Jerusalem is the city where Jesus Christ is going to return in Zechariah chapter 14. There's not one Bible verse that was ever given to you and I from no, from no one but a Jewish man. Not even the book of Esther, neither the book of Ruth was written by those women. The book of Ruth was penned by Samuel and the book of Esther was penned by Ezra. And it hit me today when I was studying Second Peter 1.21, where Peter said, For the prophecy came in the old time, not by the will of men, but holy men, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter tells us it was men. And I'm not castigating throwing off here on women. I'm just telling you, even Ruth and Esther were penned by men. Everything that we have regarding salvation, Jesus said in John four twenty two, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship. Salvation is of the Jews. I hope these, these anti-Semitics, these anti-Jewish God-haters who claim to be Christians are hearing what I'm saying tonight. You're going to hell if you keep that attitude. Don't dare hold up your Bible ever again and castigate Jewish people. 
You don't know who's the redeemed of God. You don't know who's the lost of Israel. There's the true Israel of God, and there's those that are not the Israel of God. Romans chapter 9, verse 6. Yet you'll hold up your Bible, and you'll castigate, lambast, and want to kill Jewish people. You don't know which one are Ishmaelites and which are the seed of Isaac. See, this is why this is seething. See, there's so much more going on here than what we can see in the natural, and we just think, well, this is just happening because it's happening. The covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, was 430 years before the Mosaic law. That's why the law has absolutely nothing to do with salvation. That's why Paul said here in Romans 8, 3, that I just quoted, for what the law could not do, he sent his son Jesus. The law could save you, the law could redeem you, but the law was only for a, a parenthetical time to point out a man's sin. It, it, the, 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 the statutes, the codes, the laws, and state legislation, they tell us where we're wrong, what we have done wrong. When you get in a court of law, you're hoping you can get mercy from the judge if you're guilty. Prayer for judgment. You're hoping that somehow you'll get a pardon, that you'll get something, because the law has emphatically declared you guilty, 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 guilty. That's all the law ever did. And yet I listen to these buffoons wielding the Word of God at the same time lambasting, and, and, and they're so borderline blaspheming the Holy Ghost. As I said some weeks ago, when the Holy Ghost does a work, and you criticize that work that is done, you're contributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Now, it's going to be a terrible thing once they get the temple built. It's going to be a terrible thing when the abomination of desolation takes place. It's going to be a terrible thing when the battle of Armageddon comes to fruition. But the good news is, when we get past all of that, Jesus Christ is coming back to the earth. And you know where he's coming to? He's coming to Jerusalem. You see, every everything that we have in the Bible, as I said, it came from Jewish people. Now, you, some of you say, well, I, I, I hate that. I loathe that. Well, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Somebody said to me the other day, said, well, uh, it's, it's, it's been purported. Some people say that Luke, the physician, could have possibly been a, a, a Gentile. And so I decided, having been asked that question as an apologist, I would take this stance. You prove by the Word of God that Luke was a Gentile, and I'll show you how I know by the Word of God he was a Jew. Because Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, Paul said, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way. Chiefly, because that unto them, who? The Jews, were committed the oracles of God. It was God that gave the Jewish people the oracles of God, and then God turned around and gave those oracles to us in what we call a Bible. And because of that, we have the Word of God today. And the Word of God is the medium of the revelation of God to His people to show us how to live morally and, and how to live godly 
and how to live spiritually. You see, and and and, and so it was. It was the nation of Israel that God gave all of this to. Why? Why? Why did God do this? Because of the covenant that He made with Abraham. And see, Numbers twenty three nineteen says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, shall he not do it? Hath he spoken, shall he not make it good? Everything that God has said is going to come to fruition. And it was God who made covenant with Abraham, and that covenant was singled out by circumcision. In Psalms one hundred and 47, verses 19 and 20. Now listen to what he says here. He showeth his word unto Jacob, or unto Israel, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgment, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. He's not dealt with any other nation. There's never been a nation, ever, ever that has been shown or has been engaged by Elohim to the degree that Israel has been shown. There's, there's not another nation other than, other than the fact that uh, uh, America has been shown unfathomable, unfathomable favor. And I believe that's because uh, since May uh, the 14th, 1948, we recognized Israel as a nation and in the creation of the United Nations, we demanded veto power, and the five countries, uh, Russia, China, America, England, and I, Doug, you may remember the other one, Joe, I don't remember the fifth one. Anyway, we have these five executive offices, you might say, the whole veto power. We, for the most part, have vetoed against anything that was to try to harm Israel until, what was it, December of 2016, the yep. Muslim in the White House uh, passed a, reg- legisl- a legisl- or a re- resolution, I should say, against Israel, and that whatever they are doing or have done is in opposition to international law. You see, when we, when we talk about international law, that that is so dangerous. If you ever get into a into a country and you're tried by international law, you have no uh, civil liberties or rights in that country because you're not in America. They're, they're, they're taken away from you. This is why they want a global, they want a global government, a global institution. Uh, that's why they want the Antichrist. Uh, Henry Spake, one of the founding fathers of the United Nations, he said, we have too many men making too many decisions. We need a man, whether he be sent from God or the devil, we need a man to rule the world. My point in sharing all of this tonight is to let you know Satan is plotting some type of provocation. And this provocation is going to affect our nation. That just that came so indelibly in my spirit the other day, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Okay, we, we look at our nation, America. Who's the highest leader in our nation? The president. So if the devil could somehow cripple America, he would cripple America through doing something to cause the president to err. And, as, and again, as I said, it may not be constitutionally wrong. 
if he were to fire Mueller. Uh, he has the right, the power, the authority. But what, what would be the end results? Or, as a man, now, here, now here's where people get confused with, with God. Let's say Donald Trump does something ungodly. Now, I don't, I, I don't have a good example right now to, to use as an analogy, be, analogy, but let's just assume Donald Trump did something terribly ungodly. Your, your lukewarm, tepid, indifferent Christian would say, see there, it was of the devil all along. Uh, did not God anoint David king of Israel? Did not Samuel pour a horn, a cruise of oil on his head and anoint him as a little boy, and the Holy Ghost came upon him from that moment onward? But you gotta, you got to remember, all of us, all of us, whether we like it or not, still possess our humanity. And that's where the devil comes. He doesn't come to my spirit. He comes to my humanity. I got so provoked three weeks ago at the airport, Doug. My wife was trying to get through the magnetometer or whatever. And I'm standing there, and she's done walk through twice and keeps making the beeper go off. This guy comes around me, throws his stuff in the tray in front of me, and pushes it, pushes mine out of the way, puts his between my tray and my wife was already in there, and said, go on. I said, excuse me? He said, I said, go on. No, it's a party. Brother, <laughs> I, it's like you turned the switch on. I felt my blood pressure go above my eyebrows. I'm not going to sit here and be sanctimonious. My next thought was, how am I going to take him down on the floor and, and and deal with him? So help me, God. I was I said, God, help me not to think like this. But I was already setting up in my mind how I was going to trip him, get him on the floor, and straddle him, and nail him. He said, what kind of preacher are you? I'm a human being like anybody else. And I looked at him, I said, you're not going to separate me from my wife. Do you hear me? But that quickly... That guy provoked me. No, he didn't get by me. He waited till I said he could go through. I went through first. But that quickly, I, I saw. I, I saw how quickly the devil can provoke you. Catch! I was just standing in line like any other cattle, any other animal, just standing there minding my own business, and here this provocation comes. And. I'm thinking, now, this is how the devil's going to do that to some of us. You're, 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 you're going to be so peaceful. You're going to be so placid. You're going to be so quiet. You're going to be so harmonious. You may be uh, singing uh, sunshine. But all of a sudden, that fiery dart from hell will come so unexpectedly and catch you so off guard. And that's exactly what the devil did to David because he was out to destroy the nation. Even what he did still caused 70,000 men to lose their lives. I don't know if they were all redeemed or some were redeemed and some were lost, but 70,000 men died because of a provocation. This is how easy... See, the devil, he knows how to push your button. And and that's my, I don't want to say fear, it's my concern that after, you know, another month or two of this 
Donald Trump's button is going to be pushed. Now, he, he may be the kind of guy that likes to fight 24-7. I don't know. I don't know the man. He, he, he may sit and eat ice cream at night and say, I love it. What am I going to be fighting? What will I be doing tomorrow when it comes to the fisticuffs? What's going to be taking place? I don't know. But I know me as a man. A man can only withstand that in the natural for so long, and finally he has a he has a breaking point, he has a pressure point, and instead of responding, he's going to finally react. And see, when men react, and you've heard me talk about this, and we're all guilty of it, when we react, we never consider the consequences or the cost. Had David known, 70,000 men would have died. Do you think he would have done that? Well, no. You know, he said, he said, God, it's I. I'm the one that commanded the people to be numbered. I'm the one that has committed this sin and done this evil. As far as these, they're but sheep. What have they done? See, but it was too late. To whom much is given, the Bible said much is required. And to the, the the magnitude, the level of authority that Donald Trump has. And see, this stuff is going on constantly. I mean, this stuff is going on 24-7, just like, purportedly, the firing of Rex Tillerson. You know? But, who does not say that Rex Tillerson was not a, a globalist in heart? Clapper, Brenham, all these people. I'll tell you this. There's a lot more against... Donald Trump in leadership that are for him. And that's why the man needs to be covered in prayer because when you, you I'm telling you, when you least expect it is when the devil will provoke you in some degree, some manner, some way, and of course we always have the terrible, the terrible remorse and the ter- terrible regret and we say something like Oh, my Lord, I would to God I had never done that. I would have never said that. I would, have, I would have never reacted that way. But this is what provocation does. And every man has a point. Every man has a pressure point. Every man has a level in his life when the provocation is so bad, so, so heinous, he reacts. And, of course, we never react in the right way. It's, 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 it's more times than not, it's in a destructive way. But here, this continuation of every day, every day, and of course, somebody said the other day, now he's looking into Donald Trump's uh, financial records. Well, hey, everyone listening tonight, if the IRS looks into your financial records, they're going to find something you didn't do right. I, I said to my accountant once we were talking, and I said, I said, Dan, I said, if uh, you had 10 IRS agents to audit you, how many different answers would you get? He said 10. I said, so then what's right? See, that's the problem. Men make up rules and stuff as they go along because they're, they're, they're asking you a question to set you up for a lie so they can snare you and trap you and then provoke you, and then you do what they wanted you to do all along. It's, it's all on purpose. It's all by intent. It's all by design. And, and I see in my heart, I see in my spirit, the devil is trying to create a provocation of some sorts. I don't know what it will be. I pray to God it doesn't even happen. I pray that it will, it will be stayed, that, that Jesus, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can stop this.
that I know if, if the devil can provoke the psalmist David, who was a man after God's own heart, who was a man that was anointed, and as I said, there'll be those who'll say, yeah, I told you, Donald Trump, what that wasn't God, that was the devil. Well, sure, it was the devil. Who do you think it was that provoked David? It was the devil. But God, it was God's man. Look at Peter, the, the apostle Peter, cursing and swearing. I don't know Jesus, he said. You see, we, 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 don't even, we don't have enough spiritual maturity to understand that's the problem with all of us, is our humanity. All of us are incarcerated in this flesh. We're held hostage to these, these, these clay bars. These clay bars hold us hostage, and we're trapped inside this clay jar, and this clay jar can be as ignorant and stupid and rebellious and heady and high-minded as, as anything else, like a raging bull. That's, that is, as I've said so many times, that's where the Satan goes to make his appeal is to your flesh, never to your spirit. So he, he creates a circumstance. He, he watches. Listen, the devil has 6,000 years of observing human behavior. 6,000 years of witnessing human behavior, and he knows where and how to get every one of us because he's watched every one of us respond to his his uh, chicanery, his trickery, his camouflage. He, he knows how to do it. He, he knows how to get you. Peter said, I'll, Peter said I, I, I'll, I'll never deny you. I'm both ready to die or go to prison. It doesn't matter, but I will never deny you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Peter, Peter in his heart, I know, I'm a man. I know what he said. He's wrong. He's been right about everything else. But on this one, he's absolutely wrong. I will not do what he said I will do. Guess what? God does not lie. And Jesus Christ was God. And he didn't lie. But Satan was able to provoke him and get him in such a compromising situation, he's now cursing and swearing. I don't know the man called Jesus. And this is how Satan works. You can be the greatest man of God. You can be the greatest woman of God. You can have the greatest prayer life. You can have all nine gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. But don't ever think for a moment Satan can't get to you because you are still incarcerated in your humanity. And and and, and this is why the devil goes after people that can affect nations. The, 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 the prince of Persia uh, withstood Gabriel when Gabriel was trying to get to Daniel after his 21-day fast and give him the understanding, give him the revelation of the vision that he had had. And Gabriel told him, he said, from day one, your prayer was heard. But the prince, the demon of Persia, withstood me these 20 and one days. So I, I prayed back to the father, and he sent Michael to come and wrestle with him while I come and came and give you the answer. See? Revelation 12 and 7 says there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. The dragon, there's the devil. There's, there's fighting going on right now on this, during this program. These airways, the devil tries to hinder what uh, the Hagman and Hagmas are trying to do. When they bring people on, they bring me on, the devil tries to fight that. Why? He's trying to stop any element of truth. It doesn't matter. Any element of righteousness, it doesn't matter. He's out to try to stop it. And he has his hierarchical government 
according to Ephesians 6, he has a structure, satanic structure, satanic government, just like God does with his angels. They're, they're different in stature, different in power. He has his, Satan has his structure, and they're out doing their work. And the difference between them and us, they are spiritual creatures. They don't, they're not held by flesh and, and, and blood like we are. So we have to sleep. We have to rest. We have to nourish our bodies. They don't have to do that. They work 24-7. When you and I go to bed tonight, they'll be over in Asia tomorrow raising hell and, and governments and leadership and doing everything they can to corrupt and trying to provoke something. And don't think the demon of Persia is not working through the Iranian religious sect over there to try to create a religious war. Because that creates more bloodshed than anything else. The irony of Jerusalem is Jerusalem means city of peace, foundation of peace. Yet Jerusalem has had more bloodshed in it than any other city in the world. It's been besieged hundreds of times by different nations and countries and, 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 and empires. Why? Because that's the name where God put his name over the city. Second Chronicles 6.6, 6, he said, I have put my name over Jerusalem. And so I want to encourage the people tonight to ratchet up your prayer life here in the next few weeks, that, 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 that God would put a hedge about Trump. He would give his angels charge and command them to protect them from not reacting to some kind of provocation. Because if he does, we will all be negatively affected. And if he does, remember this. It will be his humanity, just like the psalmist David or the apostle Peter. So many great men of God. Noah, after he got off the ark, planted the vineyard, you know what he did? He got drunk. You know, Lot slept with his two daughters, and Peter talks about his righteous soul being vexed daily. I don't understand that. But yet that's what Peter said in his epistles. My point is, it will be the devil. The devil will be the underlying impetus and power behind all of this. So we've got to pray. I don't care if it's not but a minute. Say, God, I just plead the blood of your son Jesus upon this administration and upon Donald Trump's mind that he will not react or do anything that, that would, would, that would, wherein he would be provoked. I'm telling you, we all know, as, as, especially men, men that are men's men, alpha males, do not like to be provoked because 10 out of 10 times they become destructive. And, and, and alpha males tend to get up and lead, and they don't ask questions, they just lead. And sometimes people get run over, not intentionally, but they're going to get the job done. If you just happen to be crossing their path while they're going to get the job done, you get run over. That wasn't their intent, that wasn't their will to run over you, but you just happen to be collateral damage. And this is what this is how the devil looks at people that are, are that stature and, and causes those things to happen and there's a lot of collateral damage. It wasn't on purpose, but it happens because of the provocation. So we have we have really got to be careful about what's going on. And I, I hope and pray that uh, many listening tonight will take this to heart. I really do. Pastor, I, I know that uh that hit the mark directly for me tonight, and, well, and I know I, I, I'll say this: I would imagine many, many listening uh, have been edified as well. It's, it's some very 
timely advice and the the uh, warning about uh, or, or the observation and warning I suppose about Donald Trump you know uh, yeah I, I can see this coming it, it, with, with the provocations and, and, and the constant uh, finger in the chest you know proverbial finger in the chest yeah uh, a man can only take so much of that he's finally going to slap you back yeah yeah, you know, and, and, I, and, I know me. Uh, I try to be as gracious and and not get blown out of the water. But as I said, that's the humanity that all of us. You know, some of us are lesser. Some of us uh, are, are keeping in better control. You know, Steve tells me all the time. He says, "You you do a whole lot better than I do." And I said, "You should have been at the airport with me the other day." I said, "I was just that's the closest I've come to losing it in forty years." Man, you know. But see, the devil, Doug, he always catches us off guard. You're not you're not even looking for what we call a sucker punch. That's right. So that's you right. Yep. Can I make it, one announcement? Exactly. Oh, please. I'm going yes. to be at Prosperity Church of God on April the 15th in Prosperity, South Carolina. That's 311 North Main Street in Prosperity, South Carolina. They're asking me to come and address uh, the significance of Israel's importance. And that's one of the reasons I've been working on this material even before they asked me. Uh, because Christians don't understand what's going on. If you want an understanding, folks, of, of, of the significance of Israel and why they're important, you need to go back and reread Romans 9, 10, and 11. They will help you. But that's that's the Prosperity Church of God. It'll just be that Sunday morning, April the 15th, 311 North Main Street, Prosperity, South Carolina, 29127. And I'm just going to be there sharing that uh, some scriptures trying to demonstrate how and why we need to continue to stand with them. Remember, you're standing with God. You know, people pick sides and choose, but like Moses said, he said, who's on the Lord's side? You know, who's on the yes. Lord's side? He didn't say who's on my side or who was on the uh, the rebel Korah. He said, who's who's on the Lord's side? So, Amen. well, Doug, I'm glad that uh, this word tonight encouraged you, brother. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely. And, Pastor, what time uh, Sunday morning, April 15th? I'm going to encourage people to be there about quarter till 11. I know for sure there'll be a safe time to get a, a seat. It's a small church. I think they, they have sitting for about 150 people. And maybe we'll have 25 or 30 show up from listening audience that would drop in and be there that Sunday morning. It's not too too far of a drive for some people down here from Atlanta, different places to come and visit with us. And sure. uh, we'd love to see some people there and shake their hands and hug their necks. All right. Prosperity uh, Church of God. Yes, sir. 311 North Main Street, Prosperity, South Carolina, Sunday, April 15th. Be there at 1045 for Pastor David Langford talking about the importance of uh, Israel. Significance, uh, right, significance of Israel, importance. Okay. That's Perfect. why we, uh, you know, as I said tonight, we I wouldn't have anything to preach if it were for the Jewish people. And I know that they were bad, corrupt leadership, too. But uh, that's why God's a God of redemption. They were no better. They're no better than anyone as far as a nation or humanity. But God chose them to bring His Son into the world. So God bless Amen. everyone. Let's keep praying. Let's keep trusting God. And Doug, be encouraged, brother. I know the battle is intense, but you know God is faithful, and that's always a sign when we're when we're under uh, adversity. That's a sign, an indication God is working behind the scenes. And the devil knows it, and he's trying to create a circumstance to get us distracted 
and, and, and make us somehow become disobedient like David and cost us something that we, that we weren't wanting to pay, certainly, and uh, most of the time we can't pay it. But the devil knows that, so that's why he tries to snare us. So God bless everyone. Have a great week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, guys. All right, Pastor David Langford, thank you so very much. Thank you so much, Doug and Joe. Good night. All right. You too. And, and you know, uh, Joe, pressure can uh, turn uh, uh, dirt uh, carbon into, uh, you could break it or turn it into diamonds, you know, and uh, it's how we handle it, so. Uh, wow, what, a, what an important message from Pastor David Langford. Don't forget, folks, April 15th, if you're anywhere near a day's drive with the, within Prosperity, South Carolina, April 15th, Sunday, Pastor David Langford is going to be preaching at the Pro- Prosperity Church of God, 1045, be there, um, uh, 311 North Main Street in Prosperity, South Carolina. And, and you know what? When you're there, meet other Hagwin listeners. And, and, and just, uh, uh, I, I, I'll tell you what. It's, it, it would be worth a day's drive. And don't forget, one week after that, you have the Occupy That's Conference right. That's in right. Canton, Ohio. And that is, what is that, April, April 20th, 20th through the 22nd. 22nd. That's right. And there is, uh, you can go to Coach Dave Live or go to Hagman Report and find the Occupy banner, and which will take you to Coach Dave Live, and you can register for the conference. Tickets are still available, and uh, a great uh, list of speakers are going to be there, including John Robertson my father and myself as well as several others so don't miss out can't beat on that. that opportunity uh our first conference of 2018 occupy 2018 <laughs> and, and and register because it's my understanding that it's filling up quickly and space is limited so occupy 2018 uh, the cost of it uh, per ticket is twelve thousand dollars um but we they're on sale now i think for uh with registration that's mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and <laughs> I said, "What's registration?" Oh. It's it's. Uh, I don't uh, know what the cost is. Uh, for it's the tickets, it's minimal. It really is. It's neither ninety nine um, or one hundred nine, if yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah. But that's the Occupy twenty eighteen conference. All right, that'll do it for us tonight. It was a great show. Gerald Salente, John Rappaport, and Pastor David Lanford, and we'll be back tomorrow. Have a great night.